Hello, welcome to another episode of Chat. I am one of the hosts, Tyler, along with my co-host, Justin. Hey everyone. Alright, and this we're back for part three of Love, and we've got our returning guests. First up, we got Kat. Hello. And then we got uh, Mary. Hey. And we got Nick. Yep, they couldn't get rid of me. <laughs> And we tried, believe uh, me. Oh, oh no, we appreciate you being here. <laughs> was, okay, so this, so this episode, yeah, we're focusing on on uh, love part three because, yeah, there's a lot of love in this. In I love series. you all. Oh, <laughs> all of you guys. I love you too, man, uh, and all of you guys. <laughs> we got a real romance <laughs> moment going on here. I love you and all you guys. <laughs> so much I love, love you too, guys. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Before we get into that, we've got just a tiny bit of news, and it's just something I've I've been wanting to gush about, and that's the painted Cosmos figurine from Zemblade Chronicles Two, and she looks gorgeous. I mean, come on, she looks awesome. Yes. Like she was already beautiful yes, enough looks, with the the amazing. details, and then they painted her, and it's just like, oh my god, I didn't think it'd get any better. Just Do we know how much that's going to cost yet? No. Probably as much as the other two when they release, so a lot of money. Oh, <laughs> yeah, boy. probably as much as the Pyra and Mithra, because they were... It's okay. She, she's... She, $599. She's my waifu. <laughs> <laughs> she's my waifu, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw all my money at my screen when it comes out. <laughs> Same. I'm going Same. to scrape the bottle, bottom of the barrel for that money. <laughs> if I have to. Yeah, I wish they would give it a release date or something, but it's kind of still up in the air. But Yeah, figures are often like that, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Dang. Right. And, well, if you don't want to wait for that and you want a Cosmos right now, uh, I just saw an Ami Ami, mm-hmm. the uh, Kotobukiya uh, Zenosaga Cosmos version 4 Extra Coding Edition is up for pre-order. Oh, yeah, that comes out in October? Or? October. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Alternatively, you can really get into sculpting and make your own. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's the only way I get any figures of my own ter- terrible boyfriend and or girlfriend. There you go. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm not that But aside skilled. from that... Yeah, I think yeah. I think that was the only other Zeno news, unless anyone else can think of anything. Well, I was going to add the for those who... Oh, are, have patience to mount kids and stuff like the the scale of Xenoblade X and Siren from Xenoblade Two are both available, still available online, and they are currently on sale. Oh, uh, Siren is available only on Obelink Japan. From I usually look only Obelink Japan and Miami, mm. but it's it's available on Obelink Japan and it's on sale. And the scale is available on both places, but it's cheaper on Miami. Oh yeah, that scale is mm. cheaper than I have seen it any time I've looked it up. Just about <laughs> actually. So yeah, they're probably having like extra stocks and they want to get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been tempted in the past, but I've heard Justin's experience with that scale. And <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It is the yeah. formula. I'm just kidding. I like the formula, <laughs> but I mean, come on. Can we get like the the Layla or the 
the Amdusius yeah, in there. The other ones too. Oh, I'm really. It's kind of a shame that we never got to see more Skells than the formula. Because I feel like I would have wanted the bunny one. Yeah, the oh, bunny yeah. one was awesome. Yeah, that was one of yeah. the ones I used. That oh was yeah, probably, that one was great. Probably my favorite. I used that one mainly because I found. I found it was the the one that looked the most like Asher because of the ears. I was mm-hmm. just like, because Asher has come as a, some kind of like antennas or something, and I was like, "Hey, it's like the antennas." I'm gonna call him Asher. That's the Ferris, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. I, I like that one um, because that character reminded me of a character from a very obscure PlayStation game that I really like called Jumping Flash, where you play as a robot rabbit. And oh. so when I played oh, Xenoblade yeah. X, I actually painted that character like Robert from Jumping Flash. So, nice. yeah, I, I have some pictures of it. So I'll, if I could get some more screenshots, maybe I'll, I'll upload it. And if we're doing a YouTube version of this episode, we can yeah. put it in. Did you okay. skip getting that the also reminds me of like so uh, you can make it jump everywhere? Yeah, it, it can fly. <laughs> Close enough. It can also remind me of, uh, is it Barrios from Appleseed or... Or I forget if that's the name of the character, but oh, Boreas. Yeah, reminds me of him a little bit too. Hmm, that's cool. Wait, so does Boreas from Appleseed also have ears? Because there's that blade that looks yeah. like a rabbit called that. That's kind of interesting. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. <laughs> does the Appleseed Boreas also like food? Um, I don't. I don't remember that. I don't think he is able to consume food because he's like a cyborg. But I'm not. I'm not certain. Well, I didn't mean to jump ahead, but Boreas is in love with food, so that's off the list. We can cross <laughs> that one out. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. And then, uh, were you guys wanting to go into your Xenocon experience that uh, you guys just had, or? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it happened, sort of. It was like. Otakaton was like, it's fine, and fire everywhere. (laughs) Fire everywhere? (laughs) What was mostly me not being fully ready and, like, pretty much finishing parts of cosplay every night. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Just me being stupid. I thought there was actual, like, con fire. No. (laughs) No, it's just the the usual fire that cosplay were experienced. But But yeah, aside from that, we did the... like, we did go as Margie and Bart again on Friday. Right. And we did get... We did get to see some people that did recognize. Like, there was one dude that barely... That did not speak, and he had, like, a Borderland cosplay, I think. And he took a picture, but he never spoke, so we didn't know if he just thought the cosplays were cool, or if he, <laughs> if he was actually a fan. So we're like, oh, okay, cool. Cool, bro. <laughs> Yeah, that guy. um, Dressed up as the Borderlands cycle. Aside from that, I think there's there's (laughs) one other dude that took a picture of us, but there's one specific girl that we met outside the con, actually, as we were trying to get into a place that was, like, full of people for bubble tea. And, like, she was like, oh my god, they're coming out! And she was fangirling because, uh, like, she was a big fan of Zero Gears, and she said how she wanted to maybe at some day like uh, cosplay one of the le- the elements. Oh, I think wow. she, I think I she, fine. I think she said she wanted to do. Uh, uh, I forgot her name, but Bunny Girl. It, Sarah <laughs> and I, I don't her. remember if you mentioned, but we were Margie and Bart. Yeah, okay. I did. I, I did hear. Sorry, <laughs> but but yeah. Uh, aside from that, the other Xeno adventure, so far as it goes, is 
we met on the same day the voice actor of Chaos from Xenon Saga 1. Oh, yeah. And I forgot my game like an idiot, but Aww. like I actually had at least got a picture with him, so I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, Derek Stevens. But uh, yeah, and but afterwards, when we went into the dealers, it was kind of pretty like what because the first few shops we got into like they had art books of Xenoblade two and Xenoblade one like every single art book shop had them and I was just like whoa this is crazy and even the first shop I had I think the OST from Xenoblade Chronicle one oh, and nice. and one of the figurine boots really mind blown me because they had pretty much all of the huge figurine of Cosmos and the one Telos that came out and it was just like <gasps> I was dying but at the same time I didn't buy anything there because I found like for example I really wanted to maybe get the Gatling on Cosmos from version 4 but like the guy wanted to, like 200 USD for it and I was like looking online the prices were cheaper online which is like <laughs> well you know dude the cheap the price are cheaper online could you make me a price I didn't want to so <laughs> uh, <laughs> I tried <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah but uh, yeah uh, he had like basically uh, the Gatling Gun version 4 the version 1 altar uh, and the uh, swimsuit from Zill Saga 3 version. He had Telos, and was there another one? I he forgot. He had those but mini yeah. gacha cosmo cosmoses, but... Yeah, but these, I look at them closely, and I think these were actually copies. I think he got ripped or something, because the paint job did not look quite as clean as the ones I have. <laughs> yeah, she was turning, her, her spine was turning a little more than usual, I think, too. Yeah, <laughs> and that's usually a red, a red flag, because the the copies of figurines usually have, are made of a plastic that's a bit cheaper. And whenever figurines have weird poses, it tends to just bend or something. Mm. <laughs> so that's usually a good red flag to look for. Cosmos, Cirque du Soleil and, red, and big figurines usually, <laughs> like even with the Cosmos Gatling, my first reaction was to look around the old box and look for the sticker, the, the official sticker. <laughs> so, <laughs> But yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I saw those. It was cool. I didn't buy any, but it was cool. We saw some very rare, but some uh, Xenoblade art, which we bought. We bought some. But um, actually, it was one artist that did swimsuit version of the girls, and we were just like, yeah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> and we found a cool Mitra one that we bought. Just I wish I had the card in front of me to say the name of the artist, though, but I don't. Um and I think, yeah, there was also a girl that drew Pneuma, but that was the one I bought from G-Anime, so I think yeah, the same artist also came to Otakuton. So, yeah, that's pretty much everything of the Xenon merch I saw in the dealers and pretty much cried because it was like, it's too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. Like, to be honest with the figurines, like, if I was rich, I would have bought them all, but yeah. <laughs> I'm not that rich. So I was just going to like hold off and like look online instead for better prices. I did take note of the artist's names, but unfortunately I did not go through and to remember which one of them that one was that did the Numa. But we did recommend to him that he do more Xenoblade art 
uh, next year. So we did our job. Good. Uh, no, the Good. Numa was a different artist, actually. It was a, a girl at like one of the earlier roles. The guy you're mentioning is the one that did Mitra. That's what I was talking about. Okay, but you said Numa. It's okay. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> It's okay. That All was good. that was you, you, did, you did your just duty as a Zeno fan and told them to make more art of Xenoblade. <laughs> yes. I, I said, Oh, people will love Zeke. You wanna get some female fans in here? Just put up the Zeke. You wanna get some male fans in here? Put up more Zeke. <laughs> yeah, you need to do Zeke and Pandoria together doing a goofy pose, that'd be awesome. <laughs> but yeah. That's pretty much it. Uh, aside from that, the rest of the weekend was not really Xenoblade related, and we were pretty much like going around into our other cosplay meeting with friends, having a photo shoot of three hours on Saturday. Oh, dang. <laughs> it was supposed to be one hour, but we were a pretty good, pretty big group, so it ended up being like taking like three hours of our time, but it's okay. It was pretty fun. Our photographer was a Gears fan. Oh, awesome. Nice. Yeah, I was wondering about that. It's like, don't photographers charge by the hour? Did you guys have to pay more for it? <laughs> well, he, he pay, basically how he works and how a lot of photographers work, they usually charge a base price for like a group of two or three. Okay. And then per person that adds up, they they charge extras. Like It's usually uh -huh. like 20 extra or something because I, I think they pretty much know that there's it's going to take more time. Okay. And his his next shoot was only much later, so he was like, "Ah, it's fine." Yeah. <laughs> He's good. And awesome. it was actually the same guy that uh, did our pictures of Margie and Bart last year, I think. Oh, cool! So basically, uh, yeah, he knew us, and he was pretty cool. Was pretty chill too, as usual. Very good. So yeah, I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> well, sounds like you guys had a really good time. Look. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. We did find a few more Monado Archives uh, art books at the art book table. Also, um, I feel like more than we saw the last few years. But yeah, that was cool. You know, I wonder if there was a reprinting. I think well, there was. To be honest, because to be I'm, honest, like even at Anime North, like and my other cons, like every art book shop often had them. So I think there's just been a lot of issue, like pretty much reprinted or something, and. Just all the shops currently have them. <laughs> yeah, they've been appearing on Amazon a lot lately, and I've noticed that with the soundtracks too. Uh, they've been getting them. Although for some reason, I actually can't seem to find any of the art books. Like I search all the Japanese import shops out in my area, and none of them ever seem to have it. So I always find it really weird when I'm hearing people say, "Oh yeah, I found like perfect archives like all over here. I found all the Monado books," and I'm like. Where, where is all this stuff i know it's online and all these stores have it there but for some reason no one seems to have it in stock out here did you manage to get the blade 2 one uh, i didn't get that one yet but i do know it's still available online okay good because we did find it in a few places there too but it's just of course in shops it's often more expensive than when you actually pre-order it yeah because <laughs> when you pre-order it it's like like, I was really mind-blown at how I paid barely, like, 30-something Canadian, or maybe, like, 35 Canadian for me, but, like, for the Xenoblade 2 hard book. And then I go into cons, and they sell it at, like, 80. I'm just like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, yay. I think they wanted, like, 50 for the Xenoblade 2 one. 
in a few places. Uh, no, it was a little more than that, from what I remember. Uh, yeah, I was surprised I found it in, when I visited Tokyo. I, I found it for like thirty, like thirty dollars USD, and it's like, oh, I, I'm used to like when I bought Perfect Works uh, several years ago. I paid like seventy or eighty dollars for that, so I'm like, wow, that's wow. I'm gonna. One time uh, at Otakon in, I think, the, the early 2000s, I saw a copy of Perfect Works, like the first printing, mm-hmm. for like $300. Ooh, oh my and gosh. I was, I was very torn, <laughs> and I decided not to get it, and I regretted it until they reprinted it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm really glad yeah, they reprinted it. Talking yeah. about the reprint of that, like the one, the first year I went to Otakon, actually. Like, it was pretty much the same time as the reprint, and I didn't even know there was a reprint, and it was there in my face. Yeah. I was just like, I, I look at the huge pile of perfect work, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Where did this come from? <laughs> because I knew it was going for, like, super expensive online before, I was just like, what? <laughs> but I already had it at that time, so I did not like get it, but I was really like amazed by <laughs> that huge pile of Zilgir's art book. I was just like, what? <laughs> yeah, it got stupid for a while, like price-wise. I remember when I was in Japan um, a couple years ago. Wow, time flies. But I was in Japan and, um, actually it wasn't a couple years ago, it was just it was last year. Uh, when I was in Japan, I was at Book Off and they had a Perfect Works, and it was, like, behind a glass container, and I remember oh, wow. it was going for, like, I think it was over 150 USD or something oh. really, like, insane, something that I was I was not about to pay, and, yeah, I think it's like, it still goes for a decent amount of money these days. Yeah, it's because I think the reissue uh, stocks pretty much got eaten over, so the prices pretty much went back up now mm-hmm. <laughs> to what they were. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's enough on that. I think we it's about time we move on to our subject of today. Um, yeah. So yeah, love part three. Uh, part one covered Xenogear, Xenosara, and Xenoblade 1, and part two only covered Xenoblade X. And today we're hopefully going to get... Which was surprising. Yes, that was totally surprising. Thank you, Nick, for that. <laughs> Xenoblade um, X is the coldest Xenoblade for sure. There is definitely no love in that ser- in that <laughs> entry at all. You know. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, you really got to dig. We'll, got to dig. Well, thank you for diving in and salvaging what you could. No, <laughs> it's no problem. It's no problem. <laughs> uh, yeah, but today we're going to cover Xenoblade Two, and hopefully we'll be also have time to cover Torna as well. So, love in Xenoblade yeah. Two. Do we talk about the 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 the, the big kind of well kind of this I guess kind of debate about the the main main love in this game? But do we want to tackle that first, or I guess so. What Rex and Pyra? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, would do you All consider right, so... them a couple? Okay, so I personally didn't see Rex and Pyra's love as romantic love. Agreed. And I, and there's a few reasons why. Um, one, I don't think Rex even knows what romantic love really is. Yeah, it's really dense. 
And it's not, it's not even just because he's dense. It's just that that's just his upbringing. Like he's never really yeah, had an opportunity to learn what love was. He just knows salvaging. <laughs> yeah. And that and also um, Pyra from her end, I don't think she necessarily loves Rex in a romantic way. It's more of a here's this boy that I care about and want to protect. And there's various reasons for that especially after the end of Torna, which kind of puts that into more perspective. Uh-huh. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if you if we're, we should be talking about the end of Torna yet, since that game is still kind of newish. <laughs> yeah. Can... Yeah. Well, well, it, it'll be having... Uh, isn't its release date um, anniversary soon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a very yeah, soon, yeah, actually. actually yeah. Yeah. Like well, 13th of September or something? Yeah. Well, if people are concerned about spoilers, we should save that for for last. But. Yeah. Okay, okay, well, for right now, we're going into Xenoblade 2 spoilers, but when we go into Torna, we'll probably go into all right, Torna so spoilers. We'll just, yeah, alright, so we'll just leave it at that. Uh, that Pyra, obviously, she likes Rex because um, she thinks he's a good boy, and she <laughs> wants to protect him, and he's helping her do what she wants to do. Pure heart. Maybe. It's kind of like a... Uh-huh. Like uh, Edwardian or Elizabethan era, like chivalrous idea of courtly love. Uh, that's that's what I what I felt between the two. Like not like oh lol, we're dating, we're modern dating. Right. <laughs> like no, it's just like Rex is um, a worthy person, and like I was surprised. Like even me, I don't like I don't like projects usually, but I loved Rex because he was just a worthy kid. Yeah, <laughs> and he like it's it's sort of like sort of seemed like he was kind of shoved into this like sub etchy uh like situation <laughs> with all these like booby girls but he, like he's not he's not a pervert nope. and i was just really impressed by that yeah actually not a single time does it really um even reference like their the, these characters like their assets or anything like that except for i guess that one scene where mithra wakes up next to him i guess that's the closest we've ever come to something like that but yeah, and that's like something that she did, not Rex. Right. Yeah, yeah basically. The non nosebleed mm-hmm. nosebleed scene. Huh. Ah! Ah! You! How did you. What? What are you doing in my bed? Wait! Ah! Ah! Get out! Interloper! Monster! Wait a minute, would you? Ow! You're, you're the one in my room. The guy's room, see? Huh? <laughs> like, Rex is guilty for jumping out of bed startled. <laughs> Though there is, that, um, there is that one scene where he attacks Gramps because and because Gramps was talking about uh, how they're going to make money to help uh, Tora and then Pyra... And then Pyro was suggesting something, then Gramps makes like an off-key joke, which is interesting because in a Japanese version, I believe it's implied that uh, he thought Pyro was going to suggest that she was going to sell her body, and then Rex <laughs> karate chops him. I believe that's exactly Whereas the English version, in the, in the Japanese version, they're a little bit more explicit about that, but in the, but in the English version, um, they kind of toned that down a bit. No, God, she meant baking. 
Yeah. She's really good at baking. Come on. <laughs> I mean, like, if you were Rex's age, though, what's not to like about Pyro? She can both cook really well, and look at all those backflips she did at the very start of the game. Yeah, like, and that was also, badass. <laughs> yeah, and also, like, she genuinely cares about him. Like, yeah. if Pyro, if, if, if Rex gets hurt, Pyra is the first person to be there and try to console him and try to help him get better. Yeah, his yeah, his, for sure. Their relationship is really cute. It's almost like it's almost like a big sister type of thing, or even you could even look at it as a motherly love type of thing too. Yeah, that and like just how she's like very um, like she comes off as very like shy and modest on a character level. I should put on the modest part, um, <laughs> just about the way she acts and Rex's uh, like her feeling unsure seeming like she's feeling unsure on a lot of things a lot of the time with rex it like paired with rex's unending optimism is a it's, it's like a it, it works together there's like a mm-hmm. nice um they complement each other really is how i would put that yeah <laughs> and like i mentioned earlier um when you consider torna's ending that also puts that into perspective as well kind of oh, adds a new yeah. layer to it yeah, because of, like, I won't go into details right now, but because of what she lived back then, like, right. I feel like she she has, she kind of puts a bigger weight on her shoulders mm-hmm. in, a, in a way to kind of protect him and stuff. And that's why I kind of really hate when I um, see people talk about Xenoblade 2 and so many people kind of write Pyra off as, oh, look at her, she's waifu bait, lol, she's the perfect girl, lol. When it's like, well, she actually played the game, there's quite a bit more to her than that, and there's kind of a reason for why she's the way she is. Yeah. And, like, it was very easy to, like, come away with the uh, idea that, oh, yeah, this is just going to be, like, another uh, series where everybody would just want to jump on the protagonist that looks too young for, for jumping on. And But uh, Xenoblade 2, actually, if you play it, it's absolutely not that. <laughs> no, not at all. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, well, there's no. also... Oh, go on. Oh, I was just going to say, well, it's just like... There's also, like, they could have easily made her into, like, a manic pixie dream girl archetype, and they really didn't. It's kind of... Like, honestly, she does get a lot of flack, but she's really... and Yeah, she's very, like, soft-spoken in a lot of ways, but she's kind of unique in a lot of ways too just in being the way she is i feel like because usually you see that in like some side characters and stuff like this i feel like and she's like kind of front and center more Mm -hmm. now are we treating both pyra and mithra as the same person in this situation or i mean i I don't want to upset the fans are kind of the same the same person but they are not at the same time so i guess we could move on with mitra and I don't know, had a bit up to it. Um, well, I say Mitra is, a, is your typical Tsundere, uh, <laughs> but I kind of like her regardless. <laughs> well, the thing with Mithra was, I actually, she kind of subverted my expectations a bit, uh, yeah. mainly because when I first was introduced to Mithra, and yes, yeah, she was very much being uh, your Tsundere archetype, uh-huh. she kind of toned it down significantly as the yeah. game went on. And 
it's something that I think is, at least to me, I found it kind of rare to see that in, um, in, uh, I think it's mostly that, you know, at first when she came out, she was upset and stuff and she took a while to kind of get used to the group. And once she got used to them, she kind of calmed down a bit. I Correct. Guess. I feel like it's something like that. So you could, I guess like the way I would look at it is, um, when we're initially, when we're initially seeing Mithra, it's like, we're finally seeing the real Pyra. Like, this is who she actually is. This is the kind of person that she actually is. Like, this person that we've seen before that is presented as this perfect, Missy Miss Perfect, look at me, I'm pretty, I'm hot, I can cook. But then we're seeing this woman who is a lot more obnoxious, someone who is very sarcastic, very sassy, you know, she is a ticking time bomb ready to explode and isn't really going to take anyone, anyone's nonsense. And eventually, I guess, maybe Mithra herself realizes that she doesn't want to hurt these people and yeah. she doesn't want these people to dislike her because they're now seeing the kind of person that she is. And we all, and as we know from Torna, I, I know, I'm sorry, I keep coming back to this, but yeah, like, but it's hard not to, but it's hard not to because that explains so much of her character mm-hmm. and that's such a big portion of it. And well, we can come back to her. <laughs> Torna does a lot to frame her, to like set up her character arc even more than it already was kind of in two, because I feel like she goes through like a really interesting character arc in two alone, but Torna makes it like, make that much more sense right exactly so i guess what i was trying to say was um mithra she realized that everyone's starting to see who she truly is and she kind of doesn't want history to repeat itself and i guess because of that she realizes look i need to clean up my act and ever since then she's acted significantly better so to speak um, she wasn't nearly as mean to Rex for the rest of the game. She's not nearly as mean to the other characters for the rest of the game. I think she she really learns to grow and I guess in a way kind of take what take Pyra's characteristics and adapt it to herself. One thing that comes to mind about this actually um, is there's a late game cutscene that's kind of almost like a was it a dream sequence? Um, it's the one where Pyra and Mithra kind of switch personalities a little bit, I believe. Is that the one, like, right before we meet the architect? Uh, oh, yes, yeah, that's, that's when they meet yeah. him, I think, yeah. Or okay. right about when they're about to meet him. And It's like the test they do to, to see their, their mental straight, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the one where Rex cries, um, significantly cries, anyway, that I... As far as I can remember, you know, like it was that one was really interesting. It said, I don't know, I, I just it did some interesting things to mix things up about how Rex felt about them. I feel like, yeah, I think that was uh, it seemed like one of the more intentional like ways of the architect asking, Hey, which one do you like better? And Rex is like, I like them both, they're my <laughs> friends, yeah, <laughs> yeah basically. <laughs> That scene was really cute and really like, uh, please don't cry. <laughs> but yeah, uh, should we move on to uh, 
the, the, the fusion of both. <laughs> There's more I would say about Mithra, but it will have to wait until after but we get to Torna. Technically, fusion of both is kind of like basically a bit of both in one person. <laughs> but yeah. I'm not exactly sure what you fully say about Norma, because basically she appears more uh, like more endgame whenever you go and save Pyra and she transforms into that as I think Rex had like unlock her power or something. But yeah, and then they go, they go with her. Yeah, after the fight, they get stuck down there and they go back up the world tree and stuff. But I, I find I find the Nama has Nama and Rex is, are like pretty pretty cool. Sorry, I don't know where I'm going myself with this, but. Yeah, I just, I just love how Nema is basically, like, she has, she has a bit of both Mitra and Pyra, and uh -huh. she's kind of very sweet and stuff. Like, I feel like she, she basically represents the the full personality of them in general. I think and, that. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going go to ahead. add that I think that, uh, like, as far as cutscene stuff with Numa goes, her, her most telling one was probably just her self-sacrifice one at the end for Rex. Mm. And, um, uh, unfortunately, we don't get to see a lot that she's just in actually doing more than action kind of stuff, but yeah, I, I felt that one would probably be about the most telling of who she yeah. is, and, I mean, other than what we get from Pyra and Mithra. Yeah, because I mean, in in game itself, like you get her only like whenever you have your special ready, so you don't really get too many combos with Numa alone or something like that, except in the end game, anyways. Yeah, I almost feel like the point of Numa was just to show that um, everybody is accepting both Pyra and Mithra as one entity and they're just kind of acknowledging that it's that it's all one being and, and I think the most important person being uh, Numa herself is accepting both sides of her like she's yeah. accepted yes. her past and mm -hmm. she's accepted that persona that she created as Pyra as yeah, not just I a persona agree. but also just who she is mm -hmm. it's like the more perfect of the more realized, um, self-accepted version of the two personalities together, I guess. Yeah. She's also so yeah. pretty. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. that's kind of one of the, I guess, like, that's one of the more unspoken themes of Xenoblade 2 is self-acceptance. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, definitely. A lot of people, I feel, don't really talk about that, but yeah, that's definitely a major theme there. Yeah, now that I, t now that I speak about it, like, I think about the characters, I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of that going on. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah, one of the reasons I, I really love Xenoblade 2 is that it's kind of the cure for uh, imposter syndrome, and a lot of people in our generation um, don't have a whole lot of capital, so they they feel like they're unworthy in general. So I think its popularity sort of like speaks to that. Um, but like a lot of people have this problem of feeling unworthy, and Xenoblade is like, nope. You, you, there's nothing about you that you have to do to prove that you're worthy to live, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Sometimes you so just gotta go out on a whim and do to, it. Uh, should we move to, like, 
I love you and all of you guys. Oh, the kitty. <laughs> Rex and Nia. I love you and all you guys. So I think them, um, if there was to be a romantic duo, I would probably think it would. it's more likely to be between them. Mm-hmm. But as I mentioned earlier, um, that scene makes it all the more obvious that Rex doesn't really comprehend um romance Mm -hmm. and you could probably argue that nia doesn't either or she does but she realizes what she said and didn't mean it in that way do we know nia's true age that was never revealed actually to my knowledge at least well blades that gets really tricky with well yeah but i guess like her age before she became the blade yeah I mean, I would guess it's probably around Rex's age, but... Yes, it's super hard to tell. Yeah, it really is. I, I don't know. I feel like there might be a little more to it than uh, for Nia. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as what... As far as her thinking romantically, because... Mm-hmm. I think it's, so, It's too. pretty clear she doesn't know how to express herself well in some ways. Yeah. Like she's yeah. like, hey, if Mithra's doing the Sundari thing, Nia is hitting that vibe hardcore too you know and but, um, uh, that's kind I of think, typical of them <laughs> i think what i <laughs> what i really loved that. about their relationship is how like you have now really early in the game and like she pretty much turned out turned from like the other bad guys just because she wasn't for what they did and she kind of grown attached to rex right off from the start because of how optimistic he was and stuff and I feel like he, he gave her hope and stuff, and she wanted to believe in him from th- an early game, and I find this is really cool. Really cool. I think um, the reason why Nia loves Rex so much is because Rex was someone who actively encouraged Nia to be her own person. Yep. I think it's very telling of Nia that she went from a group like Torna to them because... I feel like at at the end of the day, she really just enjoyed feeling accepted by a group, and Rex's group just kind of did that better than the Torna group did in a yeah, way. It's, it's another. Uh, oh, go on. Oh, uh, so basically, uh, what I thought was going to happen with Nia's story thread was, uh, I thought she was going to be like crushing on Jin and like letting go of that crush as she realized, you know, these were the better people. Um, but they didn't even do that because Jin is just so closed off. Yeah. yeah. Right. Rex and is again, just a nice kid, and then Malos was the guy who's like, "Hey, Nia, come on, we'll go pick on some little kids," and she's like, "No, I'd rather help the little kids." So she went with Rex. <laughs> yeah, and it's another uh, like another example of um, self acceptance because for a long time she wasn't going to reveal that she was a, a blade, and it was kind of yeah like that was that last thing because I I guess with um, Torna she felt accepted because they're they're all blades, but then she kept that from Rex in the group until the very end in that uh, it was kind of heartwarming that in that scene where she kind of reveals that she's a blade as well that they it didn't even phase anyone and she's like okay now she felt feels like fully accepted into the group Nia I am burdened no longer not by my past not by Jin I am finally free 
a blade. What the? I'm no longer afraid. This is who I am, Rex. What's the point in living if I have to hide? Thank you for helping me see. I love you, Rex. Yeah, it's that feeling of um, acceptance and, like I mentioned before, uh, independence. You know, she doesn't have to follow the mold of Torna. She doesn't necessarily, because she realizes that their beliefs don't necessarily align with her own. Mm -hmm. She's not forced to stay with them. And she found this group of people who do accept her. You know, it's kind of funny. And I know everybody makes fun of this, but she's a lot more similar to Melia than people think she is. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, when they when they came out with her swimsuit that's Melia colored, she's like, oh, okay, I see what you're doing. Yeah, <laughs> they're very similar characters. Um, they have a similar arc. They suffer from similar things. The not being able to express yourself, um, unsure of whether or not they can be accepted by um, society. And also, they're trying to learn how to be independent, be their own person. But yeah, like basically the the only difference between Nia and Melia is uh, their personality and their upbringing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then how about we go into Nia's relationship with Pyra? To be honest, I don't really think there's much to say about Nia and Pyra. Except that maybe they're good friends. Yeah, like sure. they're, yeah. They're, they're friends, they're allies, but yeah, really yeah, may see her as much. like a rival at times. Concerning more Rex, like, maybe I feel more like <laughs> Nia was actually encouraging to Pyra when it, from yeah, trying to too. remember like uh, what's coming up in my head was when she was like actually interacting with Pyra. Yeah, is like stuff where she was like trying to you know encourage her when she was doubting herself because. I mean, Pyra kind of did that fairly often. So yeah, yeah, she she doubted herself, and I feel like Nya knew like exactly what that was like. So she pretty much encouraged her. But she didn't learn until later to follow her own advice all along. Mm. <laughs> I just remember that one scene where they're like on Tantal and it's snowing, and then like Nia just like grabs onto Pyra for warmth. <laughs> Like the oh, that's so cute. Actually, I I love the gist from that. <laughs> Joe Mark's icy, spiky back, full of needles in the cold. <laughs> Poor Joe Mark. Yeah, and I I have to be the uh, the gay person in the room. Yeah, X Pyra. Okay, <laughs> I think they're cute. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Should we move to the next one? Yeah. Okay. Speaking of Dromark, how about I'm never quite sure how to... I'm never quite sure how to pronounce his Dromark name. Dromark? Dromark. Dromark, okay. Drotar. It's just that my French <laughs> mind see this and tries to say it in French. Dromark. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Wow, yeah. It's like so. No matter how warm your heart is, Dromark, you still can't warm up your icy, spiky back. <laughs> <laughs> He's a cute big kitty, but yeah. Dromark um, is like the um, the the Alfred to Nia's Bruce Wayne. <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. Perfect. Yes. Oh no! 
<laughs> hey, you said it, not me. I know. <laughs> Repeated it. It's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, so, wait. Yeah. Is Dromark the one who's announcing all the enemy statuses in battle? I don't remember. I don't know. I thought that was Azurda. I thought so, too, but, like, the voice is different. It's, like, weird, because, like, Azurda in cutscene sounds different than that voice in battle. Blade combo, third stage. Awesome. I could have sworn that there were... Maybe they both do? Because, like, I could have sworn I've heard um, Azurda be like, Rex, use fire. Yeah, yeah, uh, there's definitely some voice clips like that, but then there's other ones, like, when you topple stuff, like, when you topple or smash, Mm -hmm. it's definitely... That's a different voice, and it sounds closer to Dromark's. Oh, the topple and smash stuff? I thought that was just a random announcer. <laughs> I thought it was like a, a unique announcer. I thought, yeah, I thought that was the Smash Brothers guy. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, so then, the who the hell's the announcer? <laughs> I think the Japanese. So wait, are you telling me that Joker is in the game? <laughs> yeah. I feel like the Japanese announcer was better for battles. <laughs> Are they aren't they always? <laughs> Have you ever compared American Ninja Warrior to Japanese Ninja Warrior? Oh my god! Japanese, yeah, it's no comparison. There's no comparison. Yeah, so much better. Like Japanese announcer is almost always better. <laughs> the uh, the only case in which that's usually not a thing is when there is no there is no Japanese announcer. <laughs> that's the only time. Okay, so is that all we have to say about Dromark and Nia? You know, um, I think we could probably say more. We can probably say more, yeah, because that was a bit out of topic. Which is fine. But um, I'm trying to remember, though, because the thing is, they they come by together, but, like, I'm not sure I quite recall them. Like, I think they do mention how they met or something, but I it's kind of hazy in my mind. Like, because at some point we do get a background thing about Nia, and I think that's about when that they talk a bit about Drum March too, but I could uh-huh. be mistaken. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> but yeah, in the short, they've been together for a long time, and Drum March pretty much know uh, her secret for since the beginning uh-huh. while she was hiding it. And whenever she saves, like, Yal, she she actually asks Romarch to, like, pretty much get the others away so that, you know, she can kind of transform and save him <laughs> without anyone seeing. And, yeah, that was the first time we see her true form, although the others had not seen it right away. But, yeah, uh-huh. I think it was a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool thing. But aside from that, they have a... They have a pretty good relationship going where he's like, oh, my lady and stuff. He's like, he's a bit like uh, her her butler or something. Nope. <laughs> She's the princess and he's the butler. Uh. That's like, that's like, oh, princess, don't go this way, it's dangerous. <laughs> he's, he's more like, <laughs> my lady, actual chivalry, chivalry, not my lady, tips Fedora. Oh god. oh god! I don't know if the Japanese know of Tips Fedora. <laughs> Probably not. Let's hope. We can only hope we some of us stay innocent to that. But yeah, I think I think that's how there is much of it, except 
pretty much yeah the fact that they already knew each other for a long time and yeah. know their each other's secrets and stuff. So I guess that makes us go into more ordained people. Yeah. <laughs> Moragan Bridget. Yes. The realest ship. Yes. The, the best ship. ship. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like you have to do some hoops to 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 not read that as gay. And if uh, if that's your thing. More power to you, but oh god! Yeah, you have to jump you really through. Really have to think. <laughs> you have to jump through some whip hoops of fire. To uh. not think that. <laughs> that was pushing it. I know. You you tried. You tried. I tried. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely definitely feel more of romantic feeling between those two than say Morag and Zeke. Like, I I know that. Well, that's kind of the next couple we're talking about. But when I like compare the two, Morgan's he kind of feel like more like buds or buddies or I don't know. I mean, nothing screams love like go die in a fire zone. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Morag, how about next time you put on a skirt and some heels? How about you die in a fire, Zeke? <laughs> well, there's a lot of Sundari characters in this, and that could could also be read as that. True. And like whoever is shipping whatever, they will find reasons to to counter whatever we say. Oh, I know um, that. But <laughs> I didn't um, even know people shipped Morag and Zeke. Yeah. Oh, yeah, cuz oh, like they're, wow. they're technically both like the uh up and coming next rulers of their their uh titans, right? They're, they're also, also very much the mom and dad of the group. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. <laughs> I I wouldn't trust Zeke to be anyone's dad. <laughs> oh, come on, he he already tells the dad jokes. I mean, that's true. Oh, the yeah. secret is that Pandora is actually doing all the work in the background. <laughs> I mean, he shows some real dadly advice skills at the end of that game. Yeah, and all of that is like sort of overridden by Zeke for the rest of the game. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we go from Jesse and James blasting off again, Zeke, to you know. To Zeke trying to act like Dunban over here, you know. <laughs> no, if anybody's Dunban, it's Morag. Yeah, that's um, very true. It's great, and I I have a feeling like in the back of my head, did they maybe uh, design Morag as first a man? Uh, but I'm really glad that she's a girl. <laughs> I'm really glad that she like got the chance to be adversarial for a little bit before joining the group. She's it was like, um, yeah. The more the more ordained people sort of give me a, a like Magus Chrono Trigger vibe mm-hmm. because they're a little bit haughty, but they're still your friends. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, they really look at the them. bigger picture for sure. I actually really enjoy. I think like the more Danians are probably my favorite uh, type of people in in Xenoblade Two. Same. And, and the Titan it really oh, my... makes sense too. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to bring up that it really makes sense the the way that they act, considering the state of their Titan. You know. <gasps> oh yeah. Like it's a dying Titan, and mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're they're just. They have to be kind of militaristic in a way to just to survive. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it, it also I mean makes it kind of harder to read Morag because she has so many responsibilities on her shoulders and she kind of has this detached thing, and you know, she's she's kind of observing the group in a lot of the game. But you can tell there's more to it than that. Like mm-hmm. she's not fooling anybody. Yeah, definitely. She she has more layers to that, and 
And our relationship with Bridget toward the game is like really cool too. Like I love how much like Bridget really cares for her and how Mariah cares the same and like both of them are just pretty much always doing stuff together and trusting each other and you know, they're they're cute. <laughs> Do you think that um Morag's feelings for Bridget come from how she, uh, from her seeing Morag as basically Hugo's successor. Well, I'm not if sure Bridget, if, it's that. if if Bridget rereads her entire diary every time she's um, reborn, um, possibly not mm-hmm. because uh, you know, like Morag is definitely her own person, right? Right. And correct. She's way different from Hugo. Like she's still like she's she's got a little bit of him in her. Uh, but oh god, that sounded horrible. Oh no, no, we didn't get you. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, but we're not children here. <laughs> yes, we are. Okay, yeah, but, you got me. <laughs> um, there's definitely the resemblance. Um, but uh, yeah, but like, they ha- they have a bit of a similar character, but they're both their own person, regardless. And I think Bridget is more the type to pretty much go by. Like, whenever she meets someone new, I feel like she's more the type to observe and get to know the person rather than, like, you know, necessarily judge right away. This, this, like, it depends, but yeah. Yeah, although, I, I agree. Although the first time, the first time she see like, uh, the the main group, she does get a bit aggressive because, like, they, they were searched for being, like, potentially, like, dangerous, but, like, as soon as she sees that they seem to be okay along with Morag, like, and that Morag decides to let them go. She just, she's just like, oh, whatever, you know. <laughs> you know, I, I agree, and actually, um, I like that you brought up the the uh, the diary because that kind of goes into her relationship with Pyra and Mithra <laughs> because she knows how Mithra, or rather, she knows how Pyra slash Mithra really are, and. I wonder if, like, in in her mind, um, seeing them act very differently than the way they acted in Torna is throwing her for a loop because this is basically contradicting what she has written down for them. Yeah. I imagine that made um, the fact that the Aegis had reawakened even more of, like, a wake-up call for Bridges. Like, oh, hey, Lady Morag, we really do need to check into this. Mm-hmm. They both share a very... Her and Morag both have a very... Well, I mean, and given that Bridget has been basically every time she's been out of the core crystal, or been not just a core crystal, it's been in this kind of mili- more militaristic society, but they're both... They both have, like, this ruthlessness to them whenever they are in battle, you know? Yeah. And 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 they, do- they both are... They both share a lot of the same beliefs and like sensibilities about things just because of their upbringings in general really you just have one that has done that more times over than the other um, should we talk also about uh always have trouble with that name Aegean. 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 Yeah. yeah although Aegean um, does not have as much uh screen time as virgin that's yeah. like oh definitely not <laughs> and that's yeah. where torna comes in <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, yeah. But uh, I'm, 
I'm, this... I'm a little crushy on Aegeon, so, like, I have Aegeon feelings, and I sort of, like, read into him a little bit more, um, but, like... I really um, love it, his character, though. Like, even though we saw so little of him, like, I really like his character, and I like how kind of gentleman he is. <laughs> yeah, he's a lot more sensitive than I would have given him credit for whenever we first met him in 2, but... I also like love a... that the Japanese voice is Char from... Gundam. Oh, it's Char! That's awesome! <laughs> oh, we found the connection. We found why you love him so much. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, um, if you want to... Uh, well, actually, I, I, I like straight shooters when it when, when I like protags. Uh, and if you look in the Xenoblade art book, uh, and you look at the uh, the prototype designs for Aegean, he has Chirankov's hair. Oh my god. Yeah, That's interesting. <laughs> oh, of course. But uh, I liked him before I saw that, so it was just sort of like more yeah. I- more icing on that very nice cake. <laughs> yeah, I think for me it was a bit similar too because I kind of liked his character before already, but whenever I've learned that he had the voice of Char, because I was like, the voice sounds similar, and then at some point I found out, I was like, what? <laughs> it's It's pretty cool. You can be a straight shooter and still have two B dreadlock thingies. Yes. <laughs> like the predator. Like the predator. Like the predator. <laughs> but yeah, aside from that, his uh relationship with Morag is not so much developed, I think. I think it's uh I think it's a bit more uh developed with Nyal because that's how we get to meet him at first, because he follows basically version of the beginning of the game, like she follows Morag and Aegon is with Nyal, and yeah, until that incident happens and that he turns into a core crystal, and then you can have him in your party. But even though, yeah, you know, there's not many many stuff to it. Although I don't think I, I don't think I did this quest though, so that may also be why I'm like. Did they show more, or did they not? <laughs> like, I sort of see uh, Aegean and Bridget as co-workers who may have dated at some point, but are not dating currently. <laughs> That's hilarious. I buy that. That's why they're never out at the same time. Yeah. You know, unless Rex takes over, and then they like just kind of cringe and go with it. <laughs> Uh, okay, you know, I guess so. Uh, but yeah, that's. I think that covers a lot of the more hardened people. <laughs> I don't think there was yeah. anyone else that was as important as these. So Dion's very soldier-like in a so way. So the next one, Zeke and Pedoria, oh. aka. Okay, the, the 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 two pair, the pair that keeps like going to uh, the sky with the little cling. Yeah, they're like two little kids. <laughs> yes, they're kind of they're kind of cute. Yeah, they're like a Jesse and James. Um, very much like yeah. classic shonen uh, recurring antagonists. Yeah, but at the same time, like the old every time they would appear, I was like. I was like so happy, and I kept laughing yeah. hard loud. I was just like, "When can I have them in my party? I want yeah. them in my party." <laughs> they're, they're very fun. Uh, and I and I was like that. Uh, Pandoria, she's very much like that person who is with Zeke. She knows Zeke is ridiculous, but she plays along with it anyways. 
She has to take care of him. Like, yeah. yeah, she's like a yeah. big sister. Yeah, she's pretty much like, don't, don't listen to this goof. <laughs> it, based on, like, later quests, I think she has more for him than that like it sounds like the way she talks about it yeah i think i think mm-hmm. she she might oh, yeah. have like feelings for zeke actually oh like, i definitely yeah i believe that too yeah. but she's like you big dope he's too oblivious to even know what love is <laughs> no <laughs> but uh i think uh one moment also that really like slavies like whenever Whenever you finally get to the real fight with Zeke, she's like, oh my god. That's kind of like off topic a bit, but like that one time when he comes out and you just say, oh, I'm serious now. And he just pretty much kicked the the ass of the entire group in one shot. I'm just like, what? (laughs) Only to then, like whenever he gets beaten, fall to the bottom of the sea and Pandoria being like, Oh well, he'll find his way. Let's go. <laughs> hey, that's her trust level for him, you know. <laughs> I know, but sometimes I found it hilarious. I was like, "Oh my god, you're really abandoning him down there." <laughs> you can trust a guy like that, then you definitely love him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I love their whole uh, JoJo posing too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, Zeke is def. Uh, I was gonna say Zeke is definitely like. Um, that early 2000s action game protagonist that's just really over the top has like that really cheesy voice acting and just doing ridiculous stuff and has like characters that play off of it yeah (laughs) yeah but yeah they're they just have a very close relationship and there's also oh yeah the, the the type the thing we did not really mention also is uh like whenever they had that flashback where Zeke was almost dying, and with the help of Amaltius, uh, I can't, I can pronounce his name. Help, Amaltius. <laughs> yeah, Amaltus. thank yeah. you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, when whenever they had the his help, like uh, to get basically a part of the core crystal of Pandoria to Zeke, like I was like, oh wow, this this is pretty cool, like a pretty cool way to save him and stuff, and. It shows of like how much she she loved him and how much like she she really wanted to save him and stuff and I found it really cool. But yeah, I thought it was a a good scene to mention too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of readdressing that later quest where I felt like she was definitely showing feelings for him is it was still kind of the whole. It was when you were in uh, Tantal, I know, but I wish I remembered the specifics of it a little better, but she definitely gets, like, really, like, nervous and blushy and is talking to the others about it without Zeke around, basically. And just, like, worrying about... She's basically, like, worrying about Zeke and, like, oh, it's so... It's like, I've got to be here for him. He can't help himself, you know, that... Yeah, I think I remember that that scene, actually, now that you mentioned it. It's just... It's kind of, like, a bit blurry this has been a while, but I, I do remember that scene. It was huge. But yeah, since you're talking about Tantal, how about we go and talk about the relationship of Zeke and his daddy, the king of Tantal. Not the best. <laughs> Not, Not the, the best, best indeed. More on that. No. Why can't we have good dads? <laughs> <laughs> Never. <laughs> 
Well, you know, when you live in an isolationist society and disagree that it should be that way, you know, that kind of happens. There's clashing of beliefs there. His dad isn't even voiced. <laughs> yeah, true. What? No, was what? he? No, what? I think he was in some scenes. Was he? Though? Yeah. Oh, maybe he was. Opening cutscene would have had it. Actually, I think you're right. I think he is voiced. Sorry. He's <laughs> <just> not memorably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not memorably voiced, but totally probably voiced. But yeah, their relationship is not the most uh, uh, healthy one. It's pretty yeah. much him wanting to put the weight on on Zeke, and Zeke being like, "Biff." <laughs> <laughs> Zeke is just yeah. gonna Jojo pose and leave. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, kind of good on him to make his own, you know. Yeah, for sure. Kind of good on him to make uh, to to make the Jojo pose and leave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> to make his own way and disagree with his dad's, you know, yeah. kind of. Although um... he still cares about his people, but he doesn't want to do, uh, you know, he doesn't really want to do stuff in the way that his dad wants to do it. Uh-huh. So. I think it's best oh, yeah. for him to just sleep and do his own stuff. Yeah, like, I feel like they kind of get on better terms by the end of that arc on Tantal, but... Yeah, they do. Yeah. Oh, they, I definitely They do think get so. uh, a bit better over time, though, which is cool. What is his name? I guess, like, Theolonius or something? I don't know, I just like wrote King of Tantal because <laughs> I could not remember for the life of Let's me. Let's Google it. Oh. <laughs> Let's Google it. Go, Google. I do have the... Wiki open. <laughs> Let's see who gets to it first. <laughs> I'll let you guys race. Eulogiminos. <laughs> Eulogiminos. Okay. I would never have remembered that. No, movie. neither would I. Well, the, the town is called Theoswar. Yeah. Oh my god. It's a dinosaur. <laughs> so. Nope, sorry. I kind of bumped into something. <laughs> it's all good. I did nothing. But yeah, um, uh, shall we move to the next one? Yeah, go for it. Uh, Echoes and Obrona, aka is Blade that eventually poop. <laughs> do Blades poop? <laughs> <laughs> I think they do, <laughs> but I meant more the way of like you know she not being there anymore. <laughs> yeah, she she died really quickly. Like it's it's My. really a shame how much personality they put into Obrona for her to die <laughs> really early. Yeah, on. but I thought I was like I wish I could have got it that late because I loved her design so much. I'm just like well, you can, you can yeah you can. Um, you can in a new game plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's why I never saw it because thing is I I've, I haven't done a new game plus yet because I'm like. I know it's gonna suck up another two hundred dollars for right? me, which I don't yeah. have. <laughs> yeah, I haven't done it either because I hate this game for this. So I haven't done it because I was working on maxing out affinities for all the other characters I have, and then I end up getting new rare blades, and then I get new affinity charts, and then mm. new quests open up, and I, well, I gotta do these now, and then I do that, and then I get a new rare blade, and then a new <laughs> affinity chart opens up. Yep. I, I can't even begin to tell you how many hours I spent just on Ursula. Oh god. <laughs> oh god. I, yeah. I didn't even try. <laughs> I gave up I on Ursula now. I gave up on I haven't Ursula done now. it for the exact same reasons. And 
I keep on also hearing like a lot of conflicting things about what actually transfers to New Game Plus and what doesn't. But that's a whole nother story. Mm. Not even going to go there. But yeah, I, in the first game, I wish we w- we could have like gotten her because I felt like she was introduced in, into such an important way that I was like, would have been cool to like have displayed like afterwards as a story thing and not like later on in the new game plus you know <laughs> but at the same time what i liked a lot is i like her her interaction with uh, echoes and also like I, I like echoes a lot too yeah <laughs> yeah he's he's really cool he's kind of like uh hb jr <laughs> yeah yeah i really really love him Re- and really cool quotation marks <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, like, Obrona is, like, almost, like, scary in love with Akos, and but it's sort of like the, um, like, not necessarily romantic, but definitely obsessive. <laughs> yeah, but I think they're both really attached to each other. I think it's kind yeah. of, like, going both ways, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, obsessive love. I can't... There's another Blade with obsessive love that's oh, no. on the list, no. and I cannot wait till I get to <laughs> oh, it. <no. laughs> Who isn't in love with Akos, the perfect human being? I mean, oh, the perfect blade, blade eater. Yeah, the perfect, yeah, the perfect flesh eater. You know, but yeah, but yeah, I I thought I would put it on the list because I find that uh, their interaction, whatever they introduce, uh, is really interesting, and how like Akos is like pretty much like you said, like HB Junior, and like you have you have a who's like. I'm gonna support you, and like pretty much does a bunch of shit that like really made me mad while I was fighting. That <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> was like block- blocking all of my combos. Like, stop it! <laughs> you know, in uh, in stop retrospect, it, I love you. <laughs> huh? You know, in retrospect, I kind of wish uh, Akos's blade was actually Dagus. <laughs> just to see like that kind of dynamic of them trying to just one up each other. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. I, yeah, would, would, I would be. read that fanfiction. <laughs> yeah, that is quite a thing. Akos, you perfect son of a bitch. Oh, wow. But hey, yeah. it's his words, not mine. Sadly, though, at some point, Everbrona eventually pretty much dies. And, well, Akos is pretty much in shock from it for a while because he was really close with her. But I find, I find it still cool. Like, I really love the depth they place in there, even though it was so short. But mm. moving on. I love how extra Akos Moving is. on to the next one, unless anyone else has anything to add. No. We're good. No. Okay. So this one is something special too, like uh, Vandam, Rex, and Rock. Because I place them all together because technically, like, you have the whole relationship of Van Damme being the mentor of Rex going on. And him pretty much giving a little more confidence into Rex too. Like, you know, he, he helps him, like, have a bit more faith in himself. And I, I thought it was really oh. cool. Oh, he gives the big speech. Yeah, he gives yeah, the big speech. He, he, he looks he like a JoJo speech. character. <laughs> <laughs> He's definitely the, um, uh, oh god, I forgot his name. I'll, I'll use a different reference. Uh, he's definitely the Obi-Wan Kenobi in Rex's life. <laughs> yeah, the, um, 
the Mad Max style Obi Wan Kenobi. <laughs> but then, like, there's also like his blade that you get after his wingman after he dies, oh. which is oh, sorry, go on. Hello? Oh, sorry, go on. <laughs> okay, it just it just got silent after you said. Oh, I was like, oh, is it? Is it? Is it? Oh no, I just got. Or, I was just reacting to Nick's joke. Sorry, go on. <laughs> but yeah, after after he died, like he got displayed, and like you get pretty much told that uh, he wants to leave the mercenaries with you, so you kind of become the chief of the mercenary over time, and just it's just really cool that like he had this much like confidence into Rex and stuff. But sometimes Rex is such a pure soul that's not really tainted that I can feel like why you would give such something so precious to Rex. And and afterwards there's also like whenever you do the quest with Rock, like I did that quest of it and I really love how you pretty much uh, you pretty much tell Rock how his whole owner died protecting you and he's pretty much like, well then I'll protect you with my turn or something like that. I was just like, oh this is cute. Oh. <laughs> One of the cool things about Vandom is just how much he believed in Rex, just from, like, very early on. Yeah. Like, one fight and just, okay, well, I'm going to uh, basically, and after his passing, just... I'm going to be your sensei. Was, there was a lot of responsibility put on Rex in the end because he took over the, the group of mercenary do-gooders, yeah. basically. Yeah. Uh, which is really cool. Yeah, Vandom, I think, was one of the first characters to really help Rex understand um the reality of the situation and just bring him yeah just bring him down to earth really because yeah. Vandom is kind of his death was something that really was really eye opening to Rex. And then when Rex takes over the the mercenaries and he finally has like all this responsibility of managing all these people to even going going as far as interviewing um other potential candidates which was a really fun quest by the way <laughs> um that like i really like that and then there's the other quests where you have the dialogue option of, of selecting what vandom meant to rex and i know like one of the dialogue choices was that vandom was a, like a father to him which i thought was kind of weird because that kind of came a little bit too soon but uh but it's just so short-lived. Yeah, yeah. But I did like Literally. that they had it there because it shows that like Rex really thought very highly of Vandom. Yeah, he did. But I feel like it was even though he was like acting more like his mentor, I feel like Rex really saw him for possibly as a like father even though he didn't know him for very long. Mm-hmm. Because I mean the guy pretty much helped him through a lot of things, and like you said, he brought him back to Earth when in this like small delusion of like, oh, everything is uh, pink and happy. He's like, no, it isn't, son. <laughs> <laughs> but, he was definitely a good Vandom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Vandom is basically the opposite of the King of Tantal. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's. Uh, so, I moving could... back again to some. Torna people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patroka and Mikhail? Yeah, Mikhail. Or I'm just gonna say Mik. 
because it's easier. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Don't think about the age. <laughs> Don't think about the age. <laughs> My brain tries to think about it every time. But yeah, um, yeah. The these two has uh, they they have a very funny relationship going of like the two Since antagonists that that flirts each other that keeps like well. Mick pretty much flirts her and she gets pissed, basically. <laughs> they they always kind of arg in the middle of a fight or something. And I, it's, I, find, I find it funny. It's interesting how Mick acts in Xenoblade 2, considering how he was in Torna. Oh yeah, oh definitely. Like I, Whenever I saw him in Torna, I was like, oh my god! so cute <laughs> but then you see was... you see him in like uh Xenoblade 2 and you're just like whoa like whoa <laughs> calm down yeah mick and torna confused me so much <laughs> in a few ways because of like he was so shy and he had a completely different accent and i mean you know, i just came to terms with okay he well, he got in a way, people speaking a hundred years accents, but really changed them. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like in a way, if you hang out with other people, you can like pretty much pick up other accents. But also, I mainly just want to know more. Who did he hang out with? <laughs> <laughs> Who was he hanging out with to go from shy, reserved, well, scared little kid to? I'll be honest. Like, I was a shy kid when I was young too, and I'm way more expressive right now so i think it comes with experience really like i mean whenever that whenever torna happened like you just had gone through a few pretty traumatic experience for a kid so it's a bit understandable why he was a bit more reserved and having more trouble opening up but oh i'm not saying that i don't understand how it could happen i just want to know i, I just want to know how it did yeah <laughs> but <laughs> anyways I mean. you went from from that to uh, someone who flirts and is very, like, pretty much, uh, he's pretty much extraordinary now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoy his, uh, his relationship with Petroka. <laughs> Petroka is kind of funny, too. Like, she she's another type of tsundere. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah, she's cold. <laughs> Petroka is almost exactly like my best friend from high school. Oh, wow. <laughs> had the uh the, the very long hair and the very like dry attitude so like seeing this character <laughs> in the video game was her very... advice was typically let's just punch him in the face yeah pretty much yes <laughs> it's hilarious kind of reminds me of Irina from Xenoblade oh, yeah. Cross mm-hmm. I can totally see that oh, yeah yeah except maybe she's slightly more cold though like in her interactions anyways but uh yeah, uh, I guess that moves us on to Petroka and Akos, which are pretty much brother and sister. Yeah. And they were found by Jin. God who knows where, somewhere in the ship. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> like, that interaction yeah. was so brief that I it's just like, where were they? Yeah, I kind of forgot they were siblings. Oh, my bad. Yeah, well, they're technically not blood siblings, but their drivers were siblings, so they adopted oh, the sibling thing. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah because they're yeah. blades, flesh eaters, things. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, still, so they were they were picked up together by Jin, and they seem they seem really 
really close and to understand each other really well. Wait, can I ask something really what? quick? Aren't all blades brothers and sisters? As much as every human is brother and sister, metaphorically. Point. <laughs> I I guess in a sense that they come from the same place, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That was a bad question. Let's go on. <laughs> um. So I, I'm not exactly sure, like, how much to handle them though, because. Like, as much as we get quite a few scenes of, like, Torna people, we don't get often scenes of these two together, no. because Petroka is more often with Mick, and Echoes is more often with his blade, or mopping somewhere, <laughs> or being fabulous somewhere else, or trying to get after the group. <laughs> so Well, based on their personalities, I could totally see them being assholes to each other, so I could see, you know... I I could see why actually, they might no, separate they, them a little bit. Uh, actually, I don't know. Like every time, the few times we do see them together, they they actually it actually feels like they have this kind of connection where they kind of kind of understand what each other thinks or want to do or something, and they they act pretty well together. Like they they never seem to be harsh toward each other whenever they do interact. I think it's more a matter that Petrica was busy with Mick and like. Akos was busy going after the group and like being mad at them for killing their plane, his blade. <laughs> I think it's more something like that. But yeah, I think, I don't know, I feel like they, I don't feel like they're really arg or do stuff like that so much. Like, I haven't seen them being rough to each other so much. Uh I was just kind of thinking of Akos's like ego kind of thing. Yeah, he has an ego, Maybe. but like whenever he's with Petroka, they usually talk fairly normal, at least from what I remember. Like I don't remember them arguing ever or having bad moments so much. I just don't remember many scenes with them together. That's probably why I'm not, you know. I think they had that introductory scene. And that was it. <laughs> and, like, maybe some stuff on the ship, like, as... Well, as in the ending, too, like, there's some stuff, but, like, that was more them being, like, shocked of everything that was happening and trying to work together, you know? Okay. But, yeah. Then we could probably... They're really off. Yeah. We, then we could probably move on to the next pairing. Yeah, although I'm wondering if I, I should leave that for a bit lower we, yeah we might want to discuss that in Torna, actually <laughs> oh yeah. yeah so let's go on to uh, that's complicated yeah, let's go okay. on to should, should we leave everything that that's regard to Jin a bit lower to get closer to Torna <laughs> well, or we should we still... talk about it now and come back well we, we can still... talk about uh, Jin and Akos yeah Jenna and Ackles and Petroka, I kind of already-ish covered that a bit, but uh, yeah, he basically picks them up, and I think they both have like a really high respect of him and stuff. Like they they kind of understand him too. Like I feel like they, I don't know, like like Mick a lot. Like they they understand him and they they understand the cause and they want to follow him for because they have. Like goals in the line and stuff. Broken people are really good at finding other broken people. <laughs> yeah. 
not to like to, not to knock it down to that small of a thing because it isn't but yeah no uh, this isn't it's even hard a- to relate yeah like it it's hard to relate to non-broken people when you're broken i say a broken person <laughs> Um, and actually, you know what? That kind of leads into something that we can talk about, which isn't on the list, and that is Jin and Rex. Oh, yeah, I don't know why I forgot to write that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they do, they do have this special thing, I guess, where, well, at first, let's, let's start from the start, Jin pretty much killed him. <laughs> And he killed him to protect him from whatever was going to happen next. Yeah, basically. But that didn't work. <laughs> Nothing personnel, kid. <laughs> that didn't work. He came back to life. Oh, poop. But then... <laughs> Jin is just sensei in a bad way. <laughs> but then, uh, like, later on, especially, uh, especially in that moment where... Like, for the longest time through the game, like, they pretty much have, like, many encounters and stuff, but later on, whenever they get stuck in that futuristic city underneath, like, Mm -hmm. uh, that's where you kind of get to know Jin's reason a bit more and Jin's background, even though, like, the stuff he did was kind of, like, I don't know. (laughs) But at the same time, like, you kind of can understand his character a bit more, and... I feel like Rex, because of that, he really wanted to try and save him somehow. Like, he he understood him and he wanted to try and help him, but that did not really work out 100% at the end. But, that's, uh, yeah. That's Go also what, probably my favorite part of the game, because, simply because fast travel still works, so you can, like, take Jin to different parts of the game and take him to, like, Rex's hometown. Oh, my God. I did, I did not think of that, actually, when I was in there. Yeah, it's really working. funny. You're going to have him just... We would joke that, um, at that part of the game, we would always joke that, oh, yeah, we're just going to take Jin on vacation and <laughs> just take him around the world. Aw. Here's my home, Jin. Yeah. <laughs> this is really nice, but I still am at... I'm still They're going to be on the beach with, like, some... Some Hawaiian flowers and stuff like that, <laughs> with sunglasses, <laughs> drinking a smoothie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's hilarious. But yeah, in a way, I feel like they get to understand each other a lot more, like, through that. And because of that, like, the. I would say that he gets to understand a lot the torn up people in general because of that, too, and how, like, their real enemy was not really them all along, in a way, even though they were kind of very aggressive. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm not sure what... So are we going to go ahead and go into Jin completely, now that we've kind of brought him up, or do you guys still want to kind of... I don't say I don't mind too much, it's just, uh, for example, Jin and Mitra, it's kind of hard to go into without talking about Torna, so... I mean, yeah, we could probably talk about Jin and, and Malos. Jin and Malos might be a little bit difficult. Oh, uh, Jin and Malos, yeah, but that also yeah. stars in Torn. Well, I mean, it's come. Well, we could talk Jin and Mikael if you want. How about we just save Go Jin on. for Torna? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, Sounds yeah, good. then we can come back to some late two stuff. Let's move on to Tori and uh, Tora and Poppy. <laughs> yeah. So imagine if a teenager. <laughs> 
adopted another teenager <laughs> that was slightly younger, and it was a little bit creepy. You know, I suddenly thought of mm. the plot of <laughs> Weird Science for some reason. Imagine if that teenager that they adopted was like a feral child almost. Oh my god. But yeah, um, Dora and Poppy, they have, <laughs> they have a very funny relationship with and sometimes like yeah Tora is pretty much the one who made Poppy. I don't remember like I think he started from the plans of his grandfather, yeah. grandfather. Yeah, and they yeah. were unable to finish it and then Tora was the one who ended up finishing her. Yeah, basically. And uh Poppy is so pure. Tora's, Poppy is pure. Tora is so you know, cute, but he's such a perv. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I know Tora and Poppy gets a lot of hate, um, especially because of that joke that they had about Poppy being the maid. But yeah. honestly, yeah. I actually kind of like them because Tora really myself. does care about Poppy and does want her to be more than just that. Yes, I know the game had that joke that everybody that everybody points out and likes to go on about how, oh, look at Xenoblade 2, it's just a freaking a pervert's fantasy. It's like, yeah, but you know what? Sure, I get it, but there is more to it than that. And yeah, there he is more. Did, he did bother to give Poppy some sort of conscience and allow her to act on her own act on her own. And I and I think that's valid. Yeah, people talk about that, but this is actually a very small part of the game, and Tora and Poppy actually are pretty valid. Yeah, it's, but to be honest, like I don't uh, mind so much like these kind of tropes either. Like it just makes me laugh. So as long as it's not like overkillly yeah, it, done. right. If, like, if this, in their case, it was just very lightly done. Once in a while, like Tora would do a comment or something, and it was just like, God damn it!" Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's super lighthearted. If it was that, like, yeah. Meh. Okay. If Poppy's only purpose was to just be the robot maid, then yeah, I can I can get it. I I understand it, but I feel like there's quite a bit more to Poppy than just that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like I she definitely she think helps. So. Like whenever Tara feels down, she helps him. Whenever someone else feels down, like she she's often the first to try and comfort them or or say yeah. like, no, don't be sad. I'm I'll be sad if you're I sad. Think- mm-hmm. <laughs> I think in that Poppy even like has that much of a personality is telling of what Tora's real intentions are actually more. Yeah, that too. You know, like because she is I mean, she's pure of heart for a re- like for a reason. You don't just make a robot and it's automatically that or anything like that anyway. Yeah. Hey, we could go real deep into that, yeah. but you know. But Tora is also super oh. cute. <laughs> The first time I saw him, I was like, oh my god, he's so cute. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, and then there's also Poppy's upgrades as well. Oh yeah, the the third upgrade, mm-hmm. I was like, this is so Cosmos. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. I, I love um, Poppy Cutie Pie's, um, dan- like, her pop star <laughs> yes. dance. Oh yeah. Cutie Pie is one of my favorite characters in the game. Yeah, she's just so yes. she's so ridiculous and uh, and funny. Like she's got that. Then she's got the dog mode, which is really hilarious. <laughs> yep. <laughs> just her design overall. I really I really like her big that red scarf. Sash thing. scarf. Yeah, yeah the scarf cool. thing. That's just it. Just that color like works so well. We're not here to talk about design, uh, but <laughs> the fashion oh, of Zeno. We need to make a, a future episode. 
But the, the character designs of that game are so good that I'm just like... It tra- like, I'm already like... I played this game only once and I only want to cosplay multiple characters. That says how much like this game triggers my cosplay senses because the signs are so good. <laughs> it's it's our cross. Yeah. That's um yeah, and I also love how well I, I don't think that I mean maybe I didn't see as much of QT just because she's the middle one. She's the middle evolution. Of course you only see that now. <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't have as many story parts, I feel like, with the middle one. Um, yeah, outside of Rosa. There's actually more of a stark difference in personality, I feel like, with QT Pie than the, from the other two. Because cause the other two are very much more like childlike in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. And then QT Pie goes like full on, you know, like a lot more serious, a lot more adult. Yeah. And. Uh, it kind of it kind of changes from the the child who wants to help um like i guess kind of like a i don't know would you say that she kind of sees tora as a in a fatherly way yeah actually yeah yeah i guess i mean i i feel like that but i didn't want it to sound creepy so <laughs> i had to ask but um i feel like it, in by contrast cutie pie is more like Cold but motherly. Well, I, I always saw it as um, the upgrades is Tora's way of giving Poppy a real life and making her feel more human. Because the whole idea of having the three Poppies is to have basically three stages of life. Like you have Alpha, which is a kid, um, Cutie, which is like, I don't know, like adolescent, teenager. teenager yeah. yeah. And then you have Cutie Pie, which is either like late teen or young adult kind of thing. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Um, the uh, the Japanese name for Cutie Pie is something to do with college. And I think um, uh, Poppy... I, I don't remember the first form, but the, the second form is high school abbreviation. Mm. Yeah. I think I heard that somewhere. Yeah, so... Yeah. Again, it's like... Um, I, I, it shows that I think Tora wanted Poppy to have at least as close to a real life as she can get as a robot. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And yeah, Poppy's, um, she's just always there to, you know, make people smile. Like, I actually really like the uh, the part where her and Mithra, they high-five each other. Yeah, that oh, was really cute. That was I also love the part where uh, Rex was feeling really down because Spyra had, had been kidnapped and was kind of getting lost and she, she pretty much, like, brought him back to his senses a bit yeah. just her feelings you know it was just it was so cute <laughs> it's a shame because like all those scenes um people will point out and go on about how cringy this game's writing is and it's like no it was just a light-hearted moment like i'm sorry this game isn't dark and depressing <laughs> like jesus yeah and, yeah, and then a lot of people also make fun she- of blushy crushy uh that heart to heart uh, well, that's that. That's oh, yeah, a subverted but... moe trope, because uh, uh, of course they're not gonna like blindly translate moe. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like, how else are you gonna do that? Like, like convey that idea without you know being like Kakakuman's plan, right? <laughs> yeah. But Le- let jokes be jokes. <laughs> Just 
I also on your um, giving her the multiple stages of life. Um, I'll, I almost forgot like the heart to heart was called growing up. So hey, and um, I was actually looking at Poppy Cutie Pie's page out of curiosity after you mentioned what her name kind of meant, and um, <laughs> it says it the. The Japanese name is Hana Judgmento de Modo, literally Hana Judgment Day Mode. (laughs) Like, okay, wow, we went full Terminator. (laughs) I mean, it makes sense. She's straight up one of the best blades in the game if you set her up properly. Oh, yeah. If you want to play Tiger Tiger a lot... I, I didn't have that patience, so I barely used her. Yeah, me neither. Uh, I <laughs> like, did. Uh, I, I almost maxed her out. I came close. The only reason I didn't was because I think there was one where you have to do, like, the full-on driver combo, like, 250 times or something Ooh. like that. Oh, God. Oh, my God. There's. I'll give you a I, hint yeah. to help you with Tiger Tiger if you Easy need. mode. Set it to easy mode, and you can clip through the yep. walls. Easy mode, and do level 1, honestly, because you get a lot of really good drops just from level 1, and it's easy to get everything and get a perfect score on it. I Yes, if you focus on collection and not getting hit, you're good. Uh, like, I didn't even get uh, Poppy's third form, because uh, I was just that bad at Tiger Tiger. <laughs> I got it, but I didn't quite max a lot of stuff or equip a lot of stuff because of the fact that I was not playing Tiger Tiger that much and did not have the yeah. patience. And I think I just now remember that QT Pie was optional. Yeah. She is. Uh, yeah, and I uh, yep. I think when I tried to get her at first, I didn't have something, and then when I tried to go back after New Game Plus, I think the quest was broken. So I'm not sure if I can get her. <laughs> uh, ooh. Yeah. Well. What? I'm not sure if I'm going to launch the game anytime soon, though. So. Well, if we're talking about Tiger Tiger, I think we need to get back on the track. Uh, yep. Uh, Tora and Grampy Pawn. Tora and Grampy Pawn. Grampy Pawn! Yeah, so, he... yeah. They, they, they have a good close up relationship. It's just that for a while we thought that. You thought that it's. Grampy Bond was pretty much dead, but he was not. Or, what, or was it? Was it his dad that was not dead? I think I come, I'm getting confused here. But I know that this was one he did he, that wasn't there that we go rescue in that uh, factory place. Mm-hmm. I think we knew that the father was alive, but not the grandfather. Ah, uh, there you go. Yes. There you go. Because um, his grandfather, Susu, or Sozo? Susu. Uh, anyway, Susu, yes. No he was betrayed by Mui Mui. <laughs> Mui Mui is always an ass. I'm sorry, the no fun names, they cracked me up. <laughs> but that's why Tora and Tatazo went into hiding, and yes, I was reading the wiki. <laughs> so oh, sue me. It's, it's okay, we, we, we all do this. We thing. always. There's a lot. <laughs> I'm just glad that the Xeno Saga, no wait, no, the Xeno Blade wiki is maintained by reputable people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tor had I actually of- really like the uh, Nopon and Xenoblade 2. Yeah. I, I feel like they really uh, made a, they, they made an effort to like develop them a lot more than they did in the first one. Yeah, for sure. Like, um, I don't think it was on the list, but no, it wasn't. Uh, there's one pair that I'm thinking about too in, in the null ponds anyway is uh, 
the two villains, but I forget their names all the time. Oh, you're talking about Banner? Yeah, like, Banner? especially, yeah. like, that scene where they get in the robot. I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, so, that, that uh, me Banner, so Banner's probably one of my favorite characters in the game, simply because I love, like, the resolution with him. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, me too. He ends up on a hamster wheel in the tree yeah. as punishment for everything. <laughs> and what's even what's even better is uh, when you... There's, I think my favorite side quest in the game is when you find out about his dad. And then you go track his dad down, and his dad's like a mobster. Oh, wow. I didn't, I didn't do that one. It's, oh, it's amazing. And then you gotta go find his dad's hideout, and it's in uh, Lefteria... And then you you find like this hidden hideout that you go inside and it's like there's like smoke everywhere and you just see him sitting at a desk like Godfather style. Awesome. It's the, it's the funniest thing. And then right afterwards, you fight him and he's got like this giant dragon robot and like Whoa. Rosa's theme plays. And and then when you beat him, you you reunite him with Banna and they Whoa. both end up in the hamster wheel. Oh. <laughs> It is like the funny, like that's probably my favorite quest of the game because that's just so funny to me. Like I was dying. Yeah, it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, his dad's name is Don Don Don. <laughs> Don Don Don. And it's and it's Don, great because his dad is so much shorter than Banna too. I imagine that running on a hamster wheel has to be the top level of torture of torture for a. Being with that short of legs, <laughs> I don't even know how it works. It it's like a potato waddle. <laughs> oh, so so should should we move to the next one? Um, I I actually forgot about. I'm gonna um, leave that one to probably radio. Well, Tora and his grandpa are. Very I, I was gonna alive. mention because yeah. we mentioned you briefly mentioned Rosa, Justin. And I was also thinking about Poppy and Rosa. Mm-hmm. Like their relationship, oh, right. Cause, oh yeah, true. Yeah, because they kind of have. I mean, they're pretty much like sisters. Um. Oh, like or, Lila. Oh wait, is it Lila? Yeah, Rosa is the big one, and oh, Lila my is like um, I'm sorry, Lila's my version. Bad. So they are very much like sisters. I would say Lila seems like an older sister to Poppy oh, yeah. in a lot of ways. And I think that's pretty much the only reason um, Poppy QT looks the way she does because of that connection to mm-hmm. um, Rosa. They're both doing the battle. Yeah. Thing yeah. For sure. Rosa and Lila and Poppy QT. Yeah. Are all three doing that kind of. They're a family yeah. of robots. Like I almost wonder if they're gonna try to do, pull off like a Cosmos Telos thing, but it it it's not mm. like that at all. <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> so, so do I go next one. Oh, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. Gory oh. and his love for baking sweet and desserts, but I'm gonna <laughs> leave that one to Nick as I think it's the one who actually mentioned it being cool to me, and I did not really do the quest of Gory sadly. So oh, it's such a good quest. oh, that was such a fun that one. Quest actually, is awesome. I didn't, I didn't like quite on, level sorry. him up because I felt like I, I I felt like he was a blade that was a bit 
too slow for me, so I barely used him, but I plan on, like, going on to him, like... That Great Axe is great, and if you can use Zenobia, you can you can totally use Gorg, and Gorg is one of my favorite blades. Um, that quest is... Uh, that quest is awesome, because basically it's just, like, he wants to open up his own bakery, but he wants to try all these other like desserts to see what he should make and so you take him to this um like this uh, dessert place in Tantal and he's just losing it over oh my god this person has this and he's not like looking at what's behind the counter or anything he's looking at different people's plates at the cafe <laughs> you're trying to have a conversation with him and it's just like he'll start talking to you and he's like oh my god is that a is, is that a giant pumpkin log or something <laughs> that looks so incredible and like he is so passionate about it i'm like no no you can you can interrupt me I, I i respect your your passion for this but it's just like he's trying to talk to you about this thing seriously and then he just keeps getting distracted and it's like and every time i should also mention every time he brings up one of these desserts that he sees at someone else's thing he like stares at that person and their dessert and probably makes them very uncomfortable, and he definitely does some really JoJo yeah. poses. He puts an arm behind like, his head and a, points with the other isn't hand. It like a Soraya saga that did him. I yeah, think. yeah, so I yeah. She designed him. Yeah, I know because like I follow her, and I'm like, oh my god, all the JoJo stuff. <laughs> it's so cool. It's so good. He has a very Jonathan-like demeanor. Like, whenever you're in battle with him, he's got this very booming, heroic voice and, you know, attitude. Very uplifting, we can do it attitude. And then you help him open up his bakery and you can basically go there anytime and buy some sweets, whether he's in your party or and not. You're forgetting the biggest reward of that affinity quest. Which is, you get to see really good Morag in the kitchen with her hat at, Without with her hat off. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's the biggest reward. Otherwise, oh only God. available. All I remember of Morag in the kitchen is whenever they had to cook, I think, fish or something. Yeah, there was like a special fish. Oh, yeah. And she's that freaking. was gross. <laughs> and like both her and Brigitte yep. were freaking out. And we were just like, no, burn it! <laughs> but yeah, it's actually, I, I like that, that cutscene because um, it just shows like another side of Morag. Because throughout the entire game, you would never, ever expect Morag to actually be trying to bake something or help bake something. And then oh. here she is doing it. And she's like, she's not like mad about doing it. She's like enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, uh, wasn't there another kid, uh, another cutscene where she's cooking with her hat off? Though? Oh. I don't, I was thinking is there? I, I don't remember. Uh, that was the one that, I, I, that like sticks out to me, but. Maybe there was another one. Well, there's was, the one with the fish. Was there and not the, the other one where her and Mithra had the cook-off? Yeah. Oh, she was a judge mm. for that, I think. That's what it was. I think... I don't remember. Man, that's that's hard to remember. But yeah. But I could have sworn there was another one like that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was a really fun quest. Um, Like, more I guess I, that 
definitely well worth playing that because Gorg, if you didn't like Gorg, you thought like his blade wasn't that great. He's worth playing just so you can get to that quest because it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I I will. Mm-hmm. It's just like there's so many blades to level up. I'm like, ah. <laughs> yeah, I still haven't done all the quests for all the blades. I might not have even seriously put him on this list, but he had he definitely showed a huge passion for what he wanted to do, and he had a dream. So it's it was pretty yeah, yeah. it was pretty nice. It was pretty good to see. So the next one is uh, Matthews in the world. Oh, <laughs> Amalthus in the world. There's no love there. <laughs> there may have been love there at one point. He may have wanted to love the world, but the world... I think it's more that he yeah. wants... Uh, now I feel like it's more that he wants to either completely destroy it or just, like, govern it and control it, but I'm... <laughs> I'm yeah, it's kind of hard to, to read yeah. what he wants, but... Because it seems, he seems, much, he yeah. seems like not really knowing what he wants to in the first place himself, so... Yeah. yeah. I don't... And, like, the, the thing with Amalthus is the control, because he, he basically, since he controls uh, the, the core crystals, he essentially controls the blades and therefore half the world anyway. So he, he's kind of one when we sort of roll up on, on this quest, and it's just sort of like, oh, oh, fuck, we accidentally uh, messed up Amalthus, and now he's going to come kill us. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, he was evil all along. <laughs> yeah, basically. But, but to be honest, like, the moment I saw that he was some kind of pope, I was just like, oh, he's going to be evil for sure. Yeah, <laughs> you know, man, he's going to be evil. He looks he looks too amicable in his profile picture. You know, like, all of the religious... All of the religious people that are like a pope or higher like thing in Zeno, they usually end up being evil. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so but, yeah. But um someone who does love the world is probably Klaus. Yep. Yep. At least the version of this. <laughs> yeah, this, this Klaus. Yeah. <laughs> this one yeah. does. Yeah. yeah. This one yeah. does. He loves the world. This is the half that took all the love. Yeah, he basically saw his mistakes and he tried to rebuild it with all his capabilities. But yeah, yeah, bad god yeah. redemption. And it's it's really cool um, mm-hmm. how they actually got to explore this because, like, they're both Xenoblade titles and they're the the two are connected at this certain point in the series and it's canon and it was, it was really exciting to see that as a longtime fan. That was that was like that was the coolest connection between those two. Like I, I don't know I I can't think of one thing that they could have done to flesh that out better and make up for well, kind of what Klaus was in yeah. the first game, <laughs> to be fair. Sorry to anyone that I anger by saying that, but you know, it's he was very villainy villain. He was very curly must very curly mustache villain in the first one. Yeah, it was a really cool way to kind of retroactively give a surprising amount of depth to what I'm sure many just saw as like a throwaway cutscene in the first one. Show him that he's show some yeah. humanity in him at all, like and 
wow, did it make up for it. Yeah, it was a pretty it was a pretty hype cutscene to be honest. It was just oh, like, yeah. oh my god, this is a connection. Ah. <laughs> and of course there was like the the, the 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 gate or Zohar right behind him. She's like Right. I'm staring at you. <laughs> but it's all coming back together. What? <laughs> What if your god is just a broken man who's just been trying his hardest for like thousands of mill- or for millennia of millennia? Yeah, you know, it's also kind of stranger on the bus trying to make his way home. Yeah, it's also kind of neat that uh, oh he, that like once we learn about this kind of um, these parallel worlds and this duality of this guy, it's kind of neat because it kind of it kind of explains why Blade 2 and Blade 1 are so, are so different in terms of their tone. Like, Blade 1 was a very bleak, very dark, or darker, rather, yeah. uh, game. It was a much darker world. Characters, uh, they weren't as optimistic as the one in Blade 2, whereas Blade 2 is a much happier game, um, a lot more optimistic, and... Less people die. Yes. Less people dying. And I think, like, that scene really kind of drives out home. It, it kind of explains, like, this is why Blade 2 is, quote unquote, a happier, generic, shown and happy go lucky tale. Blade. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I hate when people say that, but. Try to hang out with more Xeno Blade fans. Because. <laughs> Shh, they might listen. Yeah. Bite me. Oh, I'm just kidding. Good Xeno. <laughs> Yes, all exactly. They're, they're all good. Why, I like all the games. Like, why? Why <laughs> would you argue over which is better when you can make fan content of what you like? Yeah, basically. Yeah. But yeah, uh, that's it. Should we move to the next one? Which I can't see because dragons in the way they go. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um. And although this one, yeah, I guess we can cover it here because. As I did not have so much of a connection in Torna with this guy as much. Yeah, and like basically, uh, Amothus and Hayes, um, uh, it's bad. <laughs> it's like, it's really bad. Yeah, um, but it's the fact that also, yeah, like, as a, like, straight like up. I keep, I, I don't know if I should say A's or as a, but because it's Japanese, I'm kind of like. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. I, think, I mean, at this I think point, her oh, yeah. Japanese name is like fog or something like that. Yeah. Well, well at this, so point, I just say the English word haze. But at this point, we're talking about her current form, which is Fan Fa- Lanorn or Fan Lanorn. Yeah, Fan Lanorn. Yeah. Fan Lanorn. Yeah. It's Fan just Lenorn. I said A's yeah. because it's, it was like easier to remember. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I had to, I had to Google that real quick. Just like, what was her name before? <laughs> yeah, actually. I just had to check it. Uh, Kasumi is the Japanese okay. name of Hayes. So. But yeah. But it is still fan Lenore. Yeah, basically, in Japanese. like, uh, like you get to meet Hayes as basically, uh, she's basically like the blade of Amatus, and she helps like bringing the group up to him or something like that. Like she's she's like a guide or a messenger most of the time or helping out and stuff but she does not remember her past life at all since like yeah she kind of rebooted and like it, it's kind of a shame because at the same time like if she did remember she would remember how Almatus was like evil and shit and she would not stay there <laughs> yeah but 
She's kind of brainwashed, and I would call this relationship yes, abusive. abusive. But also, he also had uh, taken part of her coral crystal as well to get some of her powers. So it's extremely abusive and toxic, and yeah, <laughs> not so good. But I could do cover the tiny part of like Jin and Ace in this game without going to too much depth, but we. We know that Jin knew the old Ace and remembers, so I think that's why he did what he did, which was pretty much freeing yeah. her the most coldish way ever. Yeah. Wow, Jin seems to be doing a lot of murder. <laughs> yeah, basically. But yeah, I was I was actually sad when that happened though, because I was like, but I loved her. Mm. She was so cute. Yeah. But the. Yeah, I think I think that covers most of it. Like it's it was mostly yeah. an abusive relationship. It wasn't so much about love, but at the same time I found that it was something that had like enough going on that you know, like for, for a while because Ace was so brainwashed and stuff, like she had had high respect for Amitus, but like at some time it was just like uh <laughs> you poor yeah, thing. It sort of, like represents how how uh, how tight a grip Amalthus has on this world when we uh, as we're playing through it and going back through Torna and like just really gives you a, a, a better feel of how a more free world is. Yeah. So the next one is Azami a dying love for a driver. Oh boy, this one. <laughs> yandere. yandere. Gothic Yandere. Yeah, Yandere and uh, you know, getting the FBI involved if she if Rex is her driver. <clears throat> <laughs> Appropriate. <laughs> Although yeah, I, I did not see her entire quest. I think I was missing still like uh, one sequence of that. I don't remember. But yeah, she's kind of creepy. <laughs> yeah, she is obsessed with um, whichever driver you have yeah. on her, especially when you do. And when you finish her quest, she actually gets another cutscene depending on your driver too. And it is a little bit different based on um, who it is. Oh. I did not realize it was driver. De- oh, actually, I think I might. I didn't know if they did that or if they just made her like suggest it was Rex all the time because I I. Had unlocked her <laughs> on Rex, so I just kind of. It seemed very towards the group in general think, to me, so I wasn't sure. I think sure. I got but her on cool Morag. Did not know that. When I, I had her on Rex. <laughs> oh. But yeah, her on Rex is, uh. It's definitely very, very, uh, concerning. <laughs> I don't think I got very far in her quest line, but I, I do remember her being extra <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no but uh that's kind of her character she she's very much that person um do not cheat on her <laughs> do not replace her otherwise she will come find you and she'll probably kill you yep be careful of how much you send her off on merc missions huh that didn't stop me i did it all I the time send her off on merc oh missions. me too <laughs> me too <laughs> She was actually my first blade. Oh, in that game. oh wow! So that was yeah, first one I unlocked. 
<laughs> your first blade is, is some kind of like well, <laughs> yeah, there <is> first <laughs> rare. <laughs> oh my god, Adenine was like after that, right after that. Adenine yeah. was actually my first blade, but uh, do we want to add more to Azami or? Mm. We just leave it at like uh, creepy yandere danger. Please flee. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, kind of everything she does screams that. <laughs> but okay. Right. Yeah, there's not much else to say. I like her design. Yeah, um, yeah her, her design is cool. Oh yeah. Her combat style is kind of interesting because it, it's it. You know, it's kind of weird how she's like so obsessive about you and doesn't want you to die yet. She's at her best when her driver is about to die. So all of her pl- her playstyle relies on you being low on health, and then that buffs her attack significantly. Yeah, because she doesn't want you to die. She's like, oh my god, he's gonna die. I'm gonna kill yeah. you. <laughs> she has an undying mm-hmm. <laughs> But yeah, okay. so the next one is Adenine and their love for books. Because, I mean, she has a whole quest where she looks for those uh, those super rare history books because she's she's driven by history of things and books in general. So she she tries to collect them and, like, get to know more things because she loves knowledge. I feel like her goal in life is to become a walking encyclopedia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I feel so. so. She's so, that... I, I do love her, yeah. Adenine's... <laughs> Sorry, and then gone. You guys um, finished her quest line? Yes. Yeah. I don't remember, but I think I did because I, I had her pretty early and I, I really enjoyed her quest. Or if I didn't, maybe I was missing only one thing from like missing one. It is one a pretty book, long but, yeah. uh, I think I, I think I did finish it, but I can't quite recall. But for, for people uh, listening who haven't, it's just uh, you get to go. Uh, all the way up to the world tree, and there's like this special room that you uh, get to unlock uh, if you get all the books to it. And it's like, it's I, I forget exactly what it is, but it's 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 it. I remember it being really cool. Nice. It was like a database, and she basically yeah. just wanted to like, oh, I'm gonna stay here and get all this information. And they asked like, <laughs> how long is that gonna take? And it's like, oh, it could take you know, not very long or, or hundreds of years. Is- I don't know. So basically, when she's not in your party, she's just there getting, going through that database. I feel like Adenine would be that friend you have that just knows random stuff. <laughs> and is just constantly talking about facts that make no sense and have no relevance whatsoever. But they just know it and have no problem sharing it. <laughs> That's oh, hilarious. She, yep. she has a great side. They added that side quest with her and Cosmos. And they just... They had kind of, like, interesting chemistry. This is a bit unrelated to the love part, but I like to think that the... I can't remember which artist drew Adenine, but I like to think that he was just drawing her, like, hey, checkmate, Cosmo. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I saw that design. It was just, like, just so cool, but her design makes no sense. (laughs) That's part of why she's great. Yeah, yeah, I know. I love her. She was one of my favorite blades. I can all... I, I oh, could see, sure. like, some cosplayers going, like, challenge accepted. Cosplayers, <laughs> do not try to remove part of your torso. Please do not. <laughs> Please do, because I want to see how that ends. <laughs> no, no, don't do that. Xenochat does not condone you actually, you know, ripping yourself apart. 
Please don't walk in front of any <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, this is getting dark. So, yeah. <laughs> moving on. So, moving on to... Real, real otaku Zenobia hours. and challenges, okay? She wants to fight everything that looks badass. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, basically, you have a lot of challenges against uh, mini-bosses and stuff like that that you have to fight in order to complete her chart, which I have clearly not completed because there's too many shit to fight. <laughs> but, yeah. uh... Yeah. Up to the point of fighting the ultimate monster that is basically Xenoblade's own... Well, I, I was gonna relate it to a... I think it's a D&D thing? Tarask? You just can't kill it! <laughs> I would probably go at the super easy mode to, to win it. <laughs> Because I'd be like, eh. Well, it revives once, is basically what it does in the actual battle. But it was fun. Except for the poison water around it. Oh, yeah. That place would... She has a love for danger. That place and the poison lo- uh, waters. Uh. But yeah, like, honestly, she's just mostly a character that loves uh, fighting stuff. And sh- she loves... I feel like she she loves growing as a fighter and fighting stuff that's exciting because she's so strong that like anything that's not challenging is kind of boring because it dies in two seconds. <laughs> but yeah, I find her her character interesting. Uh, so she's very fun when paired with certain people with certain drivers, yeah. especially. I had her on Zeke, and I just loved that. I mean, it was corny as it could be, but I I still love the specials where Zeke says, "Welcome to Axe Town, population, your faces." That's <laughs> <laughs> hilarious. It was just a, it was such a very Zeke thing to do, so I loved it for that reason. Indeed, but yeah. Uh, I guess next one, Wolfric just wants to be loved. Oh, poor Wolfric. He uh, just wants a hug, Wolfric but he looks so scary, is... but he wants a hug. Wolfric is a big oh, hug. Yeah, that side quest with him and that old lady that couldn't see very well was precious. Oh my god. That was one of the best side quests. Yeah. You gotta help the kid, and you gotta help the old lady, and you have this giant hulking demon <laughs> spawn looking thing doing it. Like, not super gracefully, but well enough that, you know... But yeah, that one was really, really wholesome. Yeah, it's just, it's just I love the whole thing where, like, y- you expect that blade to be like, kind of ruthless and stuff and really scary, and then like he starts talking and it feels like the most insecure little bear ever that you uh. just want to take and give a hug to. <laughs> He's just like, oh, don't worry, everything's gonna yeah. be like, fine. I, I like Wolfric a lot, actually. I remember in my game, I actually did use him quite a bit for a while. He was probably my main, um, I think, the the ground-based element. Yeah, me too. I used Same. him a lot because he was really mm-hmm. strong, and he, he was also kind of giving... I think he was giving some bonuses in defense, too, I feel like, because I... Still, whenever I had him equipped, my character was dying a bit less. <laughs> but that, that may be me. Oh, he was one of the first ones I maxed. Yeah, his super strength is not to be. Oh, yeah, with. he's super strong. But yeah. 
like, I don't have too much to say other than the fact that I wanted to mention him because it was like, but but he's so cute. And he wants some love, so let's give him some love. <laughs> Wolfric deserves all the love. Oh yeah. Wolfric is a good boy. Yeah, he's a good boy indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, moving on to the next, uh, Praxis and Theory. Although I did not quite do their full quest, like I'm, I'm actually still mixing, missing the second one. I so yeah, same. I'll leave that to whoever did it. <laughs> Well, Praxis and Theory, actually, you have to unlock Theory via use of Praxis. And so I feel like it was probably late enough that there was quite a few people that missed it. But um, it's kind of sad in a way because they are kind of treated as Blade sisters. But, like, Theory doesn't... Like, Praxis and Theory have been taken over by, like, these bad mercenary people. And so they're bad until... He until you retrieve Praxis with like Rex, and Praxis realizes what how things are eventually, and realizes that Theory is kind of like her sister Blade, and um, Theory doesn't remember. So it's kind of a quest to like retrieve her mm-hmm. and get her to remember that hey, we're not we don't have to be bad people. We're you know we're like sisters and. There's a lot of it to that. Um, I'm not sure exactly how the sister thing works, but they definitely definitely treat them as such. And whenever you get them back to like, well, I would I'd say I say it like your their normal selves, but when you whenever you get them out of the hands of their bad drivers, their evil drivers, really like Praxis just ends up being really happy go lucky and just really uh, in a way and like she has a strong sense of justice in the end and wants to do the right thing and turn her sister back to the right way. And Theory is still, even when you get her back, she's still more cold, but she is very kind whenever you get her to realize. And it's it's kind of a sad story just that plays on the whole thing of Blades can't remember their past selves. But um, in some way, Praxis is able to realize this partially through Rex and their friends that Theory is just, you know, they just need to find a good driver for Theory, and so they go and rescue her. And I thought that was a pretty nice story, and I don't have a whole lot else to say about it other than that, because, that yeah. I mean, there is more a little more to it, but my my memory is honestly a bit fuzzy it's on good. the actual, At least like, we, we yeah, did uh, mention them, because I feel like they're... There are a couple of blades that are kind of important, but they're so easy to miss on their quests. Like, for example, I have one of them, but I've not like quite uh, encountered the other one yet, and I I didn't quite like yeah. look into it online either. But like, I I know the other one appears only under certain conditions, so just like ah. Uh... <laughs> I think you have to grind Praxis to at least yes, rank you three do. To and do then you unlock theories, so uh, quests. So if you don't like using practice or practice, I think it's I guess more a matter that uh, I use my some specific blades more, and I have too many, and like I, she kind of fell a bit in the background. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, moving on though uh, to the next one. Uh, I'll just before we do that, I'll just add one more thing to oh, practice and theory. Go ahead. Uh, that's that particular quest line. I think is also one of the darker quest lines in the game, mainly because. 
you see um, practice and theory become core crystals, and they're not always with their driver. And if I remember correctly, uh, I think theory's driver dies off screen, and you only know that because theory straight up just turns into a core crystal out of nowhere. Because I think, uh, yeah, I believe yeah, because yeah, I think right. there was a part where um, their drivers they were evil, and so there was like a manhunt that was launched for them, and then they eventually do find them. And because practice in theory, they kind of are allowed to wander on their own. You just suddenly see them just turn into crystals. Yeah, yeah, I forgot which one it was. Yeah. I, I think it might have been theory that turned into a crystal. I think it was yeah. theory because you. I think you actually go and take out. Praxis's drivers mostly, but I think you're thinking about theory. I know there's a showdown with theory where you're trying to get her to realize, but I think in the end, that's basically what does happen. I I think theory was kind of, I want to say that she might've been shared by the mercenary group a mm-hmm. little bit, like as far as being used as a tool by them. So um, that, I think that was how that happened. I, I don't want to say for sure because I don't yeah. remember as clearly on that. Part. And I also remember that Theory's quest, um, and her, like, it's a long quest. And for the majority of it, Theory is very much just this indifferent, cold person. And it's not like, uh, it's not like an immediate shift. It's you really have to be there with her. And it's, and it's oh, yeah. honestly kind of heartbreaking when you're seeing Praxis trying her best to keep it together and try to make Theory remember what's going on and understand that she shouldn't be the way she is. And Theory's just kind of sitting there like, I don't care. <laughs> I kind of love how they work on a aesthetic level, too, because maybe it's dopey, but Praxis being bubbly and also being like bubble in design and then theory being cold and being icy mm-hmm. in design i also love that theory is a tank that's pretty cool yeah <laughs> that she's like so tiny but she's a tank it's fitting it's really fitting yep but yeah so uh yeah the, the next one is pretty much uh, a pair that made right that pretty much caused a lot of rage among a lot of Xeno players, uh, oh. Ursula and Barry, aka the worst no, play Barry to level cannot up have ever. A tree. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know oh. what they were thinking with this, but still, though, in no. terms of character, I still think she's kind of interesting. It's just that the the leveling up of that blade is so jarring that it's like, <gasps> you know, it's insane. You know, I hear people. Her voice was grating enough to me to start with. Like I, I, I don't hear know. People I found her cute. Complain about this, but I actually didn't even try to pursue this. Like, what do you have to do exactly? Here's my advice for completing her quest. Are you? Is there like a new show that you guys want to watch, or a show that you want to binge, or is there like a new anime, like a 50 episode anime? Put that on. Have your switch in portable mode, and just do the Merc missions while you're watching that show because. My goodness, it is such a grind. It takes so long to do her quest. Even after you get all the tickets, like, there's so much more just wait, raising your renown. And if you don't have... Like, me, it was even a little bit worse because there was one of those last... Um, I think it was one of the, like, Soul Lesson 4 or something. But I did not have... I, I was having trouble getting enough of the right combos of just extra blades to 
make for that one. So I just kept on doing three because I was like tired of kind of messing with that. But yeah, I guess what we, since this is the love episode, kind of what we really want to know is, does anyone love this <laughs> quest? Because I, I find it a little hard. Nope. And okay. <laughs> the reward for it is that uh, obviously you max out her affinity chart and Ursula does have some decent abilities. Like one of her more useful skills is that if you switch to her, it's a full party heal. I think like 40% or something like that. She is one of the best. So it, that's just switching to her. So if you have like a fast blade switch core, you can basically just swap to her very quickly. She need a quick party heal. But uh, other than that, the, the quest is really uh, tedious and long. It's not a bad story though, because there is a good ending because it's her trying to find confidence to perform in front of other people because throughout most of her quests she's very anxious she's scared of being in front of others and she doesn't know she doesn't have a whole lot of confidence in herself she doesn't know if people are going to like her Uh, she's very hesitant to start her singing career and so it is kind of cute to see her gradually gain more fans people gradually start saying things about her and start liking her more because towards the end, she learns to believe in herself. And I think that's a good story. Yeah. It's just a shame that it's behind such a tedious process. Yeah, I was thinking the same. That's why I kind of put her on the list. Because I was like, it's still an interesting character with an inter- interesting story and life lesson, in a way. So I was like, well, I kind of find it interesting that she goes over stuff like that. But sometimes it's just like... It sucks because I do want to see the ending of that quest, but it's just like, no. <laughs> I will say something halfway good about that quest. What? I think that that is some pretty decent meta commentary in a way because it is definitely a show for, hey, practice can definitely bo- be boring, but yeah, it's just like, it, it really replicates the tedium of practicing something to get better in a way. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I'll give it. <laughs> Alright. So yeah, moving on. Next one. Boreas and his food. He sure Ugh, I hate Boreas. <laughs> the, and the reason I hate him is Boreas. because you know how like when you when you awaken a blade you can see the silhouettes? Yeah. yeah. Boreas' silhouette keeps Every coming time. up and I never get him and I still haven't oh, gotten him yet. Oh no, that sucks. But until I got him, that was like every time I noticed his silhouette was like almost every time. I admit, time, though, I do. Just like never. I did get him pretty late myself. I think his his drop rate is kind of low, but yeah, I I did start. I, I did start his uh, quest though, but I I don't think I finished. But I did start it, and it's kind of hilarious. <laughs> it's funny. It ends in an eating contest. Um. And while Boreas is funny, he's also kind of a jerk just by way of him being so impatient oh, yeah. with everything. Yeah, definitely. And like, because he is super fast and he is also super hungry, and so his quest is basically going from place to place to try the best food here to the best food there, and he's like really impatient about it. So, <laughs> and to build up like his affinity levels, you've got to load his locker with food. Yeah. It's crazy. 
But yeah, he just loves food and doesn't care about anything else. Just, just like, uh, pretty much like, although cats do like cuddles, but like they often <laughs> are more after the food. <laughs> I find, but yeah, he's a bit, he's a bit like a a big independent cat that just <laughs> wants food. <laughs> yeah, there's um. Boreas and, and food quest is is like me whenever I go to Montreal. <laughs> there's there's a lot of yeah like the, tr- like, the where trip we you just next? did just now when we went around tons of restaurant eating. Basically, yes, it's a tour. It's, it's like tour of before the con and during the con, we barely eat and we're just like running all over the places. And then after the con, we just go all out and eat in all of their best restaurant in Montreal. <laughs> It's hilarious, but yeah. Uh, yep. Next one, uh, Dagus and himself. Although I just, I just now got got this one not long ago, so I didn't get to do much with him. But still, oh, he is a king. Dagus is fun. Uh, yeah, for the longest Dagus. time, I really wanted him. It's the one on the throne. Yeah. If you if you let him just sit there for a while, his idle animation goes oh, to he sits Oh, okay, down yeah, I recently just spawns. got him too. The one that looks super fat. You no, know, I don't. <laughs> I got him very he, late myself. He was actually one of the last also, blades that I got. He was also designed by the same person who designed Azami. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I actually got him fairly early on, and uh, yeah, Dagus is a lot of fun. Is it like? Isn't it one of his quotes when you equip him? He just goes, "Shut your mouth." I think so. so yeah, yes. I, I I always thought that was really funny, and uh, I also like setting him on merc missions just to annoy him. And uh, yeah, Dagus is mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just a really fun character. His quest is actually uh, kind of interesting because you're trying to find out the land that he once ruled because he insists that he had this giant kingdom, and you're trying to find any kind of remnants of it. And this is why I really wish they had actually mentioned this in Torna, but unfortunately, they never really went there. Because, uh, yeah, he always talks about how, yeah, like, w- his kingdom was so great, and then you take him to all these different sites around the world to show him all these amazing views, and he's he's a really, really fun character. Also, he can be stupidly overpowered under the right conditions, because if you max out his uh, affinity chart, Something happens where he becomes awakened. And when he's awakened, you have to do the entire chart all over again. Oh, what? And, but here's a, here's where it gets crazy though. It stacks up the boost. So the crazy part about him is he has this one skill called Kaiser Zone. And what that does is it increases damage dealt for, I believe, the whole party. By a hundred and twenty percent. Holy crap! So wait, if you do the the affinity chart twice, does that mean that it boosts that two times? <laughs> well, no, that skill only happens in the second chart. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But still, whoa! Oh, wow. wow, you you're trying to tell me that Dagus is demanding, <laughs> <laughs> basically. How very really yeah, like you really have to. Too. Oh my god! Oh, yeah, his design's great. I, he's. I, I kind of feel he's one that I wish I, I kind of feel more. like uh, him being the only one to have that sort of gyps progression out of the rest of the out of the rest of the lot. But that's fascinating, actually. 
Okay, I need yeah, to do he, his quest now. Me too. Yeah, he's a really, really interesting one. Um, I mean, unfortunately, he is a great axe, so his attack is a little bit slow, but still, like, that buff is pretty crazy when you can get it going. Man, the power output of great axes, though, in that game kind of make up for themselves if you get, especially if you get a launch yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, I guess like the biggest problem with him is that he's a fireblade, and unfortunately, fireblades aren't insanely useful in this game because of Pyra. Yeah. <laughs> well, you have yeah, Pyra, and kinda, you have it hurts Bridget, you when you're going so it's just her. like yeah, they outclass almost every fireblade in in the whole game. Unfortunately, but Dagus has that weird gimmick where if you stick with him long enough, you can do some ridiculous damage. Yeah, but yeah. yeah cool. right. it's... I definitely. So need to the next one is best center driver. Well, this one was really sweet. That was really very sweet good quest. quest. Yes, it is. Yes. Yeah, because basically, I never finished her quest. Actually, oh, oh, oh. It, it was it was kind of oh. heavy, a bit sad. Well, sad. I mean, the one where like you have to keep making the um the the rice yeah, balls, the rice yeah. Balls. Uh, it's you you know what happens to her well like what they well well i mean it goes into stuff with her old driver so you can I mean, probably guess what happens to him if he uh, yeah. yeah yeah he retires <laughs> 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 just like, just, just see oh, this. but they they had a a good uh they had a, a good relationship going where she basically was taking care of him and stuff while he was uh, kind of weaker and sick a bit. Like, well, sick I don't know up to what, because he was still the kind of old man that was like kind of acting strong and stuff, even though like he was, did not have the shape he had like years ago. <laughs> but oh, uh, yeah, yeah I, I think their relationship was really interesting and uh I placed it on the list there because it was also very sweet, and that scene where he retires did make me go a bit emotional. Is it because I was not expecting it to go in that direction this way? It's just like, oh, his favorite meal. Yeah, I mean, who but wouldn't yeah, like those? It's a though. cute one. So. But I don't have much more to add other than say it was it was a sweet relationship. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it went from her being kind of like feeling like I know blades don't really age in a way, but it was like the the sense of being a younger blade going with a dashing adventurer to just taking care of this old man in his you know in his late days, and yeah. you know it was it was very yeah, wholesome. But at least- what I find cool, though, is at least uh, he retired in peace and not really the sort of violent thing. So I feel like I feel like it was oh, still yeah. a pretty cool thing to to see that kind of scene happen, even though it was kind of really sad. <laughs> but yeah, um, next one is something quite interesting to us uh, Zenon Saga fans. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, Cosmos, Cosmos and Astel, aka Shion. Well, yeah, because I remember I think Aaron mentioned one time that that I first realized that Estelle is 
actually the word aster, which is the same flower that is named Xi'an in Japanese. So it's like, they did this on purpose. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And, like, she even had the the same air color, the glasses, the yeah. same eyes color, and the same attitude. <laughs> so, like, yeah. I, I really I really enjoyed that small quest. It was giving me, like, a big smile on my face. But, yeah. Um, yeah, they have pretty much the same kind of relationship going on as uh, a lot of, let's say, I'd say it was closer to like the kind of relationship we would see a bit in Xenosaga 1, maybe? Except that, except that maybe like, yeah, since she was a kid this time, like, was more Cosmos kind of trying to protect her and like take care of her, even though Cosmos in the Blade 2 acts a lot like the Cosmos of Xenosaga 1. Well, then, uh, like, it was kind of cute because at the beginning, Estelle was like, can I, can I, will you be my friend and stuff like that? And Cosmos was like, no, no, I'm not going to be your friend. And by the end, by the end of it, by the end of it, Cosmos said that she was her friend. It's like, oh, that's so wholesome. No. (laughs) So I'm a little fuzzy on this, but does she ever say, I'm worried about Cosmos in that? Because now that I've played Saga (laughs) 1, it's like. You could practically make a drinking game out of how many times she says, I'm worried about No, but Cosmos does go a bit like, uh, I I sense danger and and she pretty much protects him. (laughs) I don't know. Oh yeah, Cosmos is definitely Cosmos. (laughs) But yeah, she she protects her a lot in the sense of how she would protect Xion back in the day in Saga. So they they, they did a a big peekaboo there and I really enjoy it. Except I did not quite put the telos on there because I did not do requests yet. Yeah, they have like if you do telos's quest and you have Cosmos, they have this like one short scene together where it's like I don't know. It's just they kind of antagonize. They kind of antagonize each other a little bit. Um, But by the end of it, they kind of like come to an agreement. So they're like. The party members are like, are they friends or not? I don't know. <laughs> but it was, it was, it was nice. Yeah, it was a nice scene. It sadly wasn't voiced, but it was, it was, it was nice. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh yeah. That that was something we. The next one is something we mentioned at some point, and I made place it on the list because of that. But uh, it's basically of how. Uh, like it's kind of linked to Torna a bit, but it's basically the soldiers saying, "Don't forget me." Don't forget me. Which is our big meme. Like we're thinking that it's kind of linked to like Hugo's because Hugo was also saying that. So our thinking on this was maybe they're saying this. They were saying this because it was a memory to their old leader. <laughs> Like respect for their old leader, they they share that love for the empire. Uh, Yeah, don't forget you. Don't forget me. (laughs) Is that a spoiler? (laughs) He did so much for this empire. I added one 
Uh, I'm, I have to uh, bounce in a little bit, uh, but I wanted to get uh, a piece in about Malos and Jin before I go. Oh, yeah. I yeah, think they, but we were keeping them for the end to be well, closer I mean, to Torna. Um, but I, at this point, well, I'm, I'm wondering if we well, should just leave Torna as a only visible because well, holy crap. Hold, hold on. Because, I mean, I, I, oh. I agree with Kat because Malos and Jin kind of have a different relationship in Xenoblade 2 than they do in Torna. Um, so I... Yeah. I, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I would yep. kind of say it'd be okay to talk about them. Uh, I, I, I have to pack up in seven minutes. <gasps> oh! <laughs> so, I'm so sorry. Okay. okay, so, yeah, go for yeah, it. Okay. Um, but yeah, Malos and Jin. Um, uh, hella. <laughs> and it's like, um, even if you're not reading it as gay, it's just like, it's really interesting to just watch them in this because mm-hmm. like uh on the one hand uh uh Jin comes from from a place where he used to be the good guy and that's not a spoiler uh and just sort of like because of the stuff that Amalfus does uh he ends up uh being on Malice's side and they don't really explain it like word for word like I thought they would um, and in the end it's just like I think uh, Jin and Torna just want to destroy the world that Amalthus made to trap everybody um, but it's it's more about like in general freeing the world <laughs> and after Laura Malos is the one person giving Jin something mm-hmm. to work yeah. towards at all yeah, and it's uh, like whether you read that as romantic or aromantic, it's like like you can you can read it either way. Like me, I'm I'm a queer person. I things that I can read as queer um, interest me, and that's it's like it's very interesting to me. Uh, and but like all of the the, the Torrent characters designed by Nomura, uh, just look so good. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, definitely. I love watching them, and I like watching them do things, uh, and just like it's so good. <laughs> Nomura is a good designer. He is. <laughs> he he's good at drawing them characters. Yes. Okay. And that's that's all I have to say there. So I guess talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> um, well, well, thanks for coming on, Cat. Um. Yeah, I think I. Oh, yeah. yeah, I think I, I agree that yeah, we'll probably make another episode just for Torna at this point. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> part four. Part well, we four. We can do part four, and then maybe there'll be some news, and maybe we'll do a whole series wrap up. Uh, yeah, and have oh, it not guys, be rushed. <gasps> oh, we can talk about our favorite pairings in the next episode. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Okay. We're only at two and a half hours, oh, guys. God. Well, well, that's pretty I, much it's where eight. we cut usually. So yeah, it's eight, and a lot of us haven't ate, eaten. So yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm signing off. I will see you guys next time. All right. Um. I, yes. Bye. 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 Have a great Bye. evening. Take care. Okay. I suppose we should at least finish Xenoblade. Yeah. yeah. We, I think that was the last one. Right, well, I think. Uh, well, we actually jumped. Oh, well, we kind of skipped over Azurda. Just, yeah, go into. Oh, okay. Let, we can talk about Azurda. Yeah, let's talk about Let's go over it. Azurda at least. Yeah. So. So. Yeah, I mean, Azurda, Grams, and Rex. Because, I mean. You start, you start with these two. Like, Azurda pretty much takes care of Rex and kind of looks after him and 
eventually you think that something horrible happened, but it becomes a tiny little baby dragon. <laughs> but, uh... Man. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say, for Rex being out on his own, other than Gramps, Gramps does a pretty good job of sheltering him. Yeah, yeah. In a way. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot that he keeps from him, but it's you can tell it's definitely out of care for Rex, rather than, you know, just out of being like... Uh, yeah, know, I know, but that, that's the thing, he cares for Rex, so he waits for... Like, he knows a lot, but he waits for good moments to actually say some things, and he really... We just want to take good care of Rex in general. Um, but he, concerning the fact that he knows a lot too, goes also to the fact that he he knew Jin as well. And like I remember where uh, they have this small interaction. Although I don't remember all the details of it, but like at some point, uh, I think it's, I can't remember if it was in Torna or in Zillblade too. Like it's kind of easy, but. I remember him and Jin talking at some point, or I think it was the end of Zillblade too. Could it be like whenever you were alone with him, like he he talks a bit with him, and you can you get a little talk to in Torna that kind of show a bit more of the connection, but yeah, I think it was more prominent in Torna yeah. as far as yeah. I remember. But I remember I, there was a little where... something in Blade Two where. I think Azurda was trying to, um, I don't know, not maybe give advice or something to Jin. I'm not quite sure, or like, or showing compassion of how he you understood him, but like he felt sorry for him. I, I can't, I can't fully uh, remember because Azurda does know what happened back then. So, mm-hmm. I kind of feel like Azurda is fairly admirable in a parental way because of he does kind of shelter Rex a bit but when Rex wants to go for like his dreams and wants to just go off on this crazy quest he doesn't like try to stop him yeah he does he get super worried though he's like <laughs> even to the point of yeah even as worried as he gets he he helps him and supports him to the point of like getting close to sacrificing himself almost, you know, whenever he uses up so much power yeah. and becomes small as Erda. Yeah, but you, you. So, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, I do like that about him. Yeah. There was another thing, though, that was mentioned by, by some of you guys. Uh, Azurda having possibly a girlfriend in the past that screwed him over. And, like, a lot of... Like, apparently there was a... a sort of thing going on, sort of theory that it could have been Shiva because of the one million that was given in the past and I think she ran she ran like she ran away with it, with the money or something. I think that was what happened to him, but still it's just like what Wow. Azurda got catfished? Yeah. That'd be really interesting. Um Considering that Shiba would have zero interest in Azurda. Right. <laughs> yeah, but it's, yeah. it's you guys that spoke about it before, but I'm not quite sure where this theory or rumor comes from. But he did he did mention mm. getting kind of like dumped in the past at some point. Yeah. Doesn't he mention a girlfriend in Torna as well? 
I don't think it was mentioned in Torna. It was, it was just two. a side quest in Xenoblade 2 where you had to pay off um, this debt that Azurda racked up. Oh, yeah. that I do remember that. <laughs> wow, yeah. But yeah, we never find out who that girlfriend actually is. Oh, that's one thing he's shy about, for sure. Yeah, the the others we didn't cover, though, I think we're going to keep them for whenever we do Torna, because yeah. they're kind of heavily linked to Torna, too. There's one that is not linked to Torna that I would like what to mention. That? Which one? And it... Everyone and Turner! Oh <laughs> you all forgot about... How could you Turters. forget about the beloved oh mascot Turners? Turners. So, is there anything more we can say about Turners other than that Turners it has a special place in everyone's heart? I mean, maybe we leave them on the ground by accident sometimes and forget, but you're not going to move anywhere without, you know, taking Turners along. He's just... I mean, what would the story even be without Turners? He's such a central character... Yeah, I wouldn't play this game if Turners wasn't in it. Yeah. Just, I mean, everything is better with Turners. is <laughs> everything. So, yeah, um, I guess we should probably wrap here and do Torna and do a fourth episode. Yeah, I'm... <laughs> it, it, I had a sneaking feeling this might happen, but it's totally fine. Me too. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, next time we'll there is yet more that can be discussed yeah we'll we'll cut it because i i think torna will also take quite a bit of time because it's a lot of very heavy relationship things that i think might take a bit more time than just a few minutes each yeah (laughs) and if there's anything and even if we went fast through them like i mean we could have a little bonus at the end or something i don't know (laughs) yeah but yeah it's man xenoblade 2 so (laughs) it's so too blushy, too blushy. Oh god, it's too cutie pie. <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, so okay. uh, I'll let you uh, do your thing. <laughs> okay, yeah, no problem. So yeah, we'll just wrap things up here. Um, I th- I think the last few times we've been kind of skipping the end, but let's kind of go around and kind of since it's been a while, let's kind of go around and say what we're. Uh, any social media or anything we're up to these days. So, uh, Justin, start us off. Is there anything you want to plug or anything? Well, I have started streaming. Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah, so I have a DLive account. I stream games on there. I've been playing Dragon Quest IV on stream. And I do plan on playing some other games in the future. So, yeah, like, as of right now... I'm trying to do at least one stream a week. So yeah, you can follow me over at DLive. My name over there is Photogenic Justin. <laughs> you might be wondering why I'm called that. It's because my friends think I'm photogenic. Honestly, that's what it you is. Are, <laughs> Aww. That's why this is a video podcast. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can actually see my face though. At least none of our listeners. <laughs> I can put yeah. your face in the next episode video if you want. <laughs> 
the the episode that just says Xenoblade love uh, Xenoblade love part whatever, and then has just his face, and everyone will be confused as to why there's nothing. <laughs> it would be hilarious. But yeah, that's that's what we're doing. Um, I guess I can also announce this. We're close to, even though by the time this episode co- airs, it'll probably be past oh, it. Yeah. But we're close to the one year anniversary of Zeno Chat. Go figure. Yay. Yay. And, uh, yeah, we have a one year anniversary special coming out. I'm also considering doing a, a Xenoblade cross stream and, uh, yeah. hopefully maybe getting some other folks in on it. Maybe we can do some questing together because I think the online still works. I've been preparing. In fact, I actually oh. played it. Oh, today. beautiful! I gotta turn it yeah. on too, so I can remember how to play it <laughs> in preparation for. I'm getting me. my Wii U back on Monday, aka tomorrow. So. Nice. Oh, lovely. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, you two are more than welcome to join, and we can definitely, um, we can definitely get a good stream going. I don't know what I'll do to get your voice on stream because I guess we'll do like a Discord call or something, and then. We could chat while we play it. Yeah, except the only thing with that is often yeah. um, I don't know if it if it would fully work on stream though because what it happens is that uh, you know how the voice kind of is kind of picked up a few seconds later into the stream. <laughs> That's so true. So if you're watching the stream and like playing at the same time, trying to listen to the others, you kind of have your voice in double and yeah. it, it kind of not at the same time. It's <laughs> it throws me off. <laughs> so I don't know if we'll be able to do a full live stream. But I have to check into the options, see if there's something we can do right. about the audio to just Well, I have streamed before, but I had to turn my audio on the game or on the not the game, but on the stream on mute. Like I couldn't, you know. Yeah. Y- yeah. So you can the, make it. You work. gotta turn down the capture and if you happen to have a window open for the stream, make sure that's uh, very low volume, if not completely muted, because otherwise you're going to do what I did during my first stream, which was have it all um, high, high volume, and then it just sounded like 10 of me just talking at the same time. Infinite. <laughs> yeah, basically. It's like I was a, it's like I was a freaking Naruto character, and I just did like so Shadow nice. Clone. I said that and thought of Infinite Justice. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. But yeah, that's been what I've been doing. Um, Otherwise, Operation Rainfall, we're starting to cover manga some more. Oh, nice. So we do have manga reviews coming out. Uh, I will be at a video game con in September, and also we'll be at Anime NYC in November. Nice. All right. Uh, Mary, what uh, what's going on with you? I currently finished my uh, current big uh, season, con season rush. I'm relaxing a bit before yeah. I go and die in cosplay again. <laughs> but, uh. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm technically, uh, my next big, like, confirmed con is KatsuCon, although I'm also trying to go to Anime NYC, just I'll, I'll kind of pay a few things of KatsuCon first and see afterwards, like, if I can afford both. Because it's kind of expensive for me to go to the US, but I really want to go. But uh, yeah, uh, that's pretty much it. Possibly Anime NYC, pos- pretty like 
200% Katsukon because it's gonna be a huge Zenil party. And yeah. saying that, I'm also inviting people to come there if they want to meet us because we're pretty much gonna have... I think we have almost the the whole main crew. Like, it's just... Like, pretty much everyone will be there. So if you guys yeah. want to meet us, like, that's the place to go. Um, yeah, we'll all be there. And uh, actually... We have a Facebook group, or rather event page, set up for a uh, big photo shoot meetup that we want to organize there. Yeah. And hopefully get some other little events that we can do. I'm basically trying to launch a sort of multi-day cosplay group where like, we would have maybe Xenoblade on Friday, Xenoblade on Saturday, and Xenogears on Sunday. But at the same time, for now, it's still kind of very rough because I was too busy to really take care of anything. But I'm I'm about to take care a bit more of it and try to organize it better so that we can technically let people know as early as possible, hey, there's a group going on. Do you want to join in? Okay, you have X amount of money to do your cosplay now. Okay. <laughs> It's just uh, because cosplay things do take a lot of time. It's just holy shit. <laughs> like Margie, I'll be honest. Like the hat is not even fully finished, and I'm already over a hundred and twenty hours of work on that thing. I'm just like, holy crap! <laughs> Did I really pass as much time on this? <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, yeah, we we're pretty much doing that, and after that. To be honest, my next year at convention, I think I'm going to cover that more maybe in the next episodes, but I have cons, like, almost every month. Like, I've checked on my lineup, and I was just like, man, I'm insane. Okay. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's okay. Yeah, good, good luck indeed. Although, that's also why I want to do kind of a big rush for Katsu, and pretty much, like, retake my current cosplays and just work on others but maybe at the slower rate after that because I'm gonna kill myself. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, I guess I'm gonna pass on to uh, Nick. Yes. What's up, Nick? Yeah, I'll, I will try to keep mine short and sweet because a lot of it's kind of the yeah. same as Mary. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm taking a break from the cosplay for a bit. I'm also not near as skilled as her as cosplay. I'm newer to it, but I will also be co- part of the Katsu stuff, Yay. the Katsukon stuff. Um, I I am from the south. I am probably going to be next going to Arkansas Comic Con in Little Rock. If anybody who listens to this is actually around there, and I don't think this episode will be out in time oh. for you to make it there. Just because I said that, but, you know, I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, Other than that, I finished Saga 1. I streamed all of it. I had a few people. I made a few new friends through it, and it was awesome. So I would love some people to join me. Um, Your choice of maybe enjoy or suffer through Saga 2, depending on how (laughs) how you feel about that. Me? I did try it. Come in and, like... He, he did come to my place for Otakaton since that's where we were like <laughs> pretty much like in the last two weeks. But uh, yeah, um, he did start Zul Saga too at my place to have a thirst of it. <laughs> and I can confirm that I like it a lot 
better than well i i didn't think that i would really hate it or anything but like it's got a lot of good stuff to it and it's more than just the story there's actually some gameplay stuff that i really really enjoy in it um but yeah i will start streaming that soon i will try to get the word out about when but i usually try to stick to a schedule of tuesday nights and thursday nights at a specific time such as like yeah we mostly need to uh Um, do a few setup and testing before starting to launch it officially just hoping that it won't give us as much trouble as the first one (laughs) it will definitely be at least a few weeks so you know maybe by the time this episode gets out you'll catch close to the start of it or something um other than that, I didn't really plug it before, so now that I actually post a little more on my Twitter, usually stuff like, um, I don't know, it's been between Smash Brothers stages, I've dug up some Zeno art on there, I have um, I like posting things from, especially Xenoblade X, just because that's like one of the only things, the only ways you can get <laughs> screenshots of X is to post them on Twitter or something. And I also have tried to make it a habit of posting my cosplay a bit more. You can follow me at at Nickelberg, which is Nickel and then B-U-R-G. It's play on my name. Um, the Or, you know, it's usually listed as Radio Tanuki Cosplay, if not that. But that's the Twitter name anyway. And I think that's really about it for me. I'm going to be streaming part of the time and go into that cosplay grind again in a month or so and i'm probably going to be playing a lot of astral yes. chain next week when that yep out. me too astral chain. i have i'm getting it a few days behind because i ordered it through amazon oh. japan i was like you know what screw it i'm gonna get the special nice. edition yeah i really wish we had gotten that uh, special edition in north america but <sighs> oh well Mm-hmm. All right. Um, well, I'm not really doing much. I'm still writing news articles for RPG Fan, and I still haven't put together my figures and stuff that I need to. But, um, but I'm also waiting on a cosplay that I ordered that's Xenosaga related. But it's, there's been some difficulties, but I think it should be on its way now. I'm hopefully be prepared for Katsukan. Because I am not crafty enough to make my own cosplay. It's fine. It's all about the fun. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We're just not like to suffer, but like, honestly, even though like they're not always like the best quality, at least like Mm -hmm. buying your cosplay keeps you sane. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's true. (sighs) All right. But Um, yeah. Expect us to come into the con looking like we stayed up three days in space travel on the Elsa <laughs> without sleep, stuck in hyperspace or something. <laughs> All right. Well, in that case, um, so coming up, uh, as Justin mentioned earlier, we will have a bonus uh, anniversary episode. It's it's uh, short and sweet. Um, I should hopefully have it up on the anniversary, which is August 29th? Yes. Which is also Xenosaga Episode 3's North America anniversary. 
Although wow. now that I think about it, that's what might actually came out before this one worker really recorded. <laughs> oh, judging by the length of this, I feel like we could almost. Yeah, I'm 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 gonna try to at least have part two up, at least within the next week or so. But um, this so part three will be a while because I uh before that um we had our Shulk episode, and I'll need to put that out. Sometime after, probably in September or October, I don't know which. Um, and then we do have an Elma episode planned for the future, but I'm not exactly certain when and who's gonna be on that just yet. Um, but I think that's it for the immediate future. So, um, thanks again. Uh, well, we also gonna have the. Sorry, we're also gonna have a Torna episode because All right. we can Which, fill it in. Yeah, love part four. <laughs> love part four. How could I forget that? Part or, four. We'll just have to. We'll have to plan that soon. Oh my god. Oh gosh, but we'll. <laughs> and now we'll you get... can wrap. <laughs> no, it's okay. There's just so much love in the Zeno series. Um. All right. Well. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's. <laughs> Well, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. I, I really appreciate you guys joining us, and I'm I'm glad that you guys keep coming back for these episodes so we can continue our conversation. I re- really appreciate it. Oh, it's fine, it's fine. Thank thank you for waiting on us I... with our cosplay and convention like craziness. Oh no, that's no worries. Could not come till now. <laughs> it would have been weird to do it without you guys. So I really appreciate you. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, and thank you. It's really exciting to get to be part. I'm of I'm sorry. It. What? Oh, I was just saying it's really exciting yeah. to be part of it. So we're happy yes. to be here. It's good to hear. All right. Well, uh, thanks everyone for listening, and uh, have a good night. Yeah. All right. Take care, everyone. Nia, I love you too. <gasps> I love you and all you guys. So, let's do this, together! Very end of eternity The final day has come to an end It's gone for good I would then slowly close my eyes Cuddle